the blast from our past network. Hey there, I'm Catherine Mary Stewart, and you are listening to Podcasting After Dark with Zach and Corey. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, The Burning, starring Brian Matthews, Leah Ayers, Brian Backer, and Jason Alexander. What's up, everybody? It's the dog days of summer, so you know what that means? We are going to dive into a summer slasher film here on Podcasting After Dark. I am one half of the pad team, Corey, a.k.a. Sleazy C. Speaking of sleazy, this uh, movie might be the sleaziest movie we've ever done on the show. And uh, joined with me, as always, is my stunningly beautiful co-host, Zach, a.k.a. Zach the Snack, a.k.a. Zachy Poo. What's up with you? A.k.a. legally old enough to be doing a podcast like this, unlike some of the cast members in this movie (laughs) who may not have been legally allowed to do some of the things they did in the movie or say the things or act the things or whatever. Woo, man. Oh, man. So we are talking about 1981's The Burning. Uh, I'm burning. Come on, burning. (laughs) Something that I hope none of you feel while you pee, uh, because otherwise (laughs) that'd be a bad thing. Um, But I wanted to tackle this film uh, because, I, I, like I said at the beginning, I wanted to do like a summer slasher film just to kind of get us in the mood. And, and I love Friday the 13th and everything, but yeah, it's a bit mainstream and we're a cult movie podcast. So I thought yeah, this would be perfect. Let's do The Burning. And actually, before Zach, you get into your history with it, because I think it's a bit more extensive than mine. Uh, I'll just say this is a movie that I remember Luke would always tell me about, right? Like he'd always be like, dude, Cropsy this and like like oh man and, and yeah, I remember I'd be like oh dude what was that movie where that one guy got burned and then he came back and he'd be like oh the burning that I was like oh shit so it kind of got built up in my head but I never really watched it as a kid and this was a movie that uh man I went on a great tear last year during COVID I watched this I watched uh Shivers I watched uh, Sleepaway Camp um all for the first time and it was freaking awesome so this is a new discovery for me but i do completely understand where it sits in the history of of slasher films and everything like that and uh but again it's a new discovery for me so that's i don't really have any nostalgic attachment to this film unless you call covid quarantine nostalgia at this point (laughs) Uh, i I, it's not it'll be nostalgia when we're all done with it (laughs) right i was gonna say too soon too soon (laughs) so zach what's your experience with 1981's the burning i'm burning i'm burning for you (laughs) good one oh we're not talking about the blue oyster cult song god i love blue Uh, oyster cult by the way that's a great song yeah uh time in the city sorry Mm -hmm. um Oh gosh, I re- I saw this when I was a kid. I I I remember when Anchor Bay released a, a VHS version of it. One of those clamshell ones. The clamshell ones, which I owned, and uh, and then it came out on DVD, and I got that. Um, yeah, I've seen it countless, countless times. But uh, my fondest memory of watching this film 
was and, and Diallo Diallo's listening and he'll he'll chime in I'm sure. Um, D- that's and Diallo I, from uh, TV Obscura that we that we do, of course, and uh, and uh, and his wonderful uh, audio book of Noel's oh. Chronicles, yes. which you definitely should check out as well. Cheap plug, cheap plug. <laughs> Anyways, um, Diallo and I and two other friends went to uh, Cinematic Void. Uh, did a Camp Void. They used to do it at the Aero Theater pre-COVID. And they showed uh, three movies that night. They show I, I can't remember the third one because we didn't stay for it because it was getting late, but they showed Sleepaway Camp and The Burning. And seeing it with a live audience uh, with a campfire on the stage and all sorts of random stuff, it was so much fun. And obviously this movie, this movie plays well when you're watching it with an audience this definitely ne- needs to be when you watch it alone it doesn't have the same impact uh and, and clearly us watching it and breaking it down you specifically it gives a different vibe to it but yeah oh my gosh it's 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 yeah when you say cult movies sleepaway camp obviously is my favorite camp slash movie uh slasher movie but um but man this one is this one's a good one it's a good one for sure so i cannot wait to chomp into it with you and i really enjoyed sleepaway camp as well but i kind of was like i'm gonna let leave that one for zach because i know how much you you really like that movie so i'm sure we're gonna get to it at some some point on on this uh podcast gracias thanks yeah sure yeah we we will we will definitely get to that uh that that movie felisa rose hopefully we'll get her on the show and yeah reminisce on the good old days yeah what's that she seems very fan friendly on instagram yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. It'll happen. It'll happen. But man, talk about a a a, a cornucopia of uh, actors in this film. I can't wait to t- talk about the cast. I mean, and then we talk about the director too. And I mean, <laughs> yeah, we have a, a history with. That's right. We we do. Uh, uh, this this movie has a shit ton of first timers in it. Um, that includes the editor. Uh, this was his first time editing anything he'd done commercials before this. Uh, and he went on to direct uh, Alone in the Dark. That I think that movie just got a Blu-ray release like like a couple weeks ago or something. Yeah. Um, good one. I think MVD put it out or something like that. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, the cast, a, a shit ton of firsts in the cast. Um, but before we get into the cast, let's talk, and before we get into the director, we have to address one huge glaring thing about this film. It is what put Harvey Weinstein on the map and kind of like what put Miramax on the map. This story was created by Harvey and Bob Weinstein. Um, the, the interviews that I watched on the, on the Blu-ray, the shot factory Blu-ray, uh, I'm fairly certain they were all recorded for the DVD prior to the, the epic downfall, the rightfully so epic downfall of Harvey, uh, Weinstein, because the interviews have a lot of positive things to say about, uh, Harvey Weinstein, especially the, 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 the editor usually they're like well he's 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 an interesting person but if you can get along with him he has a lot of passion and but now we're like yeah no he's just a fucking pervert in, in a giant piece of shit but yep. uh i guess he produced some good fucking movies right i mean we can't argue that i guess i mean look he he's uh regardless of his status uh as a sex offender and horrible person he I mean, the same can be said for Woody Allen and Roman Polanski and all yep. those other freaks uh, yep. that they that they they have a they are artists and they and he he's responsible for some of the most 
iconic films of the late 80s, early 90s. So, you know, it, it, it is what it is. You, you got to give the guy uh, that credit. Uh, yeah, we're not that a canceled podcast. That one yeah, little piece not, of credit. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's you know, Bill Cosby was convicted. He's a piece of shit. But, uh, but you know, all these people are like, they're, we'll call us we'll call it when we see it the truth but uh but also the truth is that you know the piano pulp fiction uh, goes on and on and on and on it's like he's responsible for all that stuff yeah he's also probably responsible for how fucking sleazy this film is too true Uh, and we're not just talking about the copious amounts of of nudity uh both full frontal and male testicles uh zach and i were just talking about you can see fucking fisher stevens balls when he's fucking mooning the the you know the camera at at the beginning of the movie and i'm like fucking jesus christ it's fucking fisher stevens balls right there that's probably a little semi-autobiographical for him, or a little, uh, or he's projecting and hoping he had it. I, I was honestly thinking that Alfred was the avatar for Harvey Weinstein in this film. Yeah. That was kind of what what my takeaway was. Um, but uh, that's a good, yeah, a good conclusion. Let's, uh, but let's get into it. Let's uh, first off, let's let's talk about the the director who is who we have, like you said, some familiarity with already. Yeah, why why do why do we have familiarity with him? <laughs> because Tony Malum also directed Split Second, uh, a movie that I love, but at this point I think on the podcast everyone knows it's the movie that we hold as the lowest standard bar of titles on on a like on a, like a movie title on a screen. And it's we still always no cyborg. <laughs> still no cyborg. Movie wise it's still no cyborg, of course. But yeah, so he did uh he also directed <laughs> Split Second. Uh and then story and everything was by uh Weinstein. Um but let's get into uh let's get into the the cast and, and crew. Well you gonna you want to mention the editor really quick? Uh I mean, what was his name? Yeah. So the Jack ed- Shoulder. Jack Shoulder is the editor. And like I said, he went on to do uh, Alone in the Dark, a movie that I was like, I, saw, I remember the cover. And I was like, hey, Zach, is this a is this a bad movie? And you were like, well, it's not really a very good movie. <laughs> I was just well, like, I, yeah. OK. <laughs> but he did he did a couple pad potential movies uh, oh. besides besides directing Renegades, which I really enjoy with Lou Diamond Phillips and Kiefer Sutherland. Uh, he did Nightmare 2. Oh, okay. And, which is, you know, there you go. It's it's one of the most infamous of the Nightmare movies. And uh, one that I re-fell in love with last year during COVID. Understandably so. It's uh underrated gem, in my, in my opinion. And he did one of my favorite sci-fi action movies of the 80s, Hybrid, uh, The Hidden with Kyle McLaughlin. Oh. And a terrific, terrific sci-fi action movie. In fact, I watched it... Uh, early early covid era and uh it was so it still holds up it's a great flick i i highly recommend that movie if you've never seen the hidden go seek that one out because that's his tour to for that's his tour de force in my opinion you know why i know about the hidden even though i've never seen it because when G- when jason goes to hell came out i remember in fangoria everyone was ripping on sean s cunningham for ripping off the hidden and his only response was but i've never seen the hidden before and at this point i'm pretty sure he has you know and and that was oh, probably yeah, just a, totally. a canned response but yeah i just remember the fangoria and a lot of people comparing uh jason goes to hell to the hidden oh it totally is i mean it, it the, the the concept is is different but well 
but this entity taking you over and turning, you know, controlling you. There you go. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a total ripoff. It, it's <laughs> like uh, it's like Robert Rodriguez. If he was to say that Vamp had no influence on him. For... If he was like, I've never seen Vamp before. Bullshit. 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 <laughs> Bullshit. Anyways, uh, should we talk about the cast? Yeah. yeah yes. But wait. but before we get into the cast, there's a lot of butts before. Let's talk well, about. This, it's fitting because there's a lot of butts in this movie. <laughs> a lot of butts and balls and bush. Um... Um, hairy butts. Pimply filled butts. Hairy bush. Everything. Uh, <laughs> we should talk about the real star of this movie and that is tom savini he did the special effects makeup for this he he did cropsy's uh head like how cropsy's head looked and then he did all the the special effects and obviously most notoriously um the the raft scene and everything and uh yeah this was like right smack dab in the middle of his of just i would say peak savini like this is him around friday the 13th the prowler uh you know maniac it's 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 all right here and grouped up and even in the documentary on the blu-ray he's like he's like i felt like like a hitman i was just basically going from movie to movie killing teenagers just left and right and that's all i was doing but he turned down friday the 13th part two uh to do this uh instead and i think i don't know if it has I don't know if at the time it had a lot to do with the fact that Jason was the killer in Friday Thirteenth Part Two, but Tom Savini, as he's gotten older, has really like leaned into the whole like you know, really supportive of, J- of Friday Thirteenth Part One, you know, and and kind of yeah. the rest is sort of just a a job to him, I think, essentially. But yeah. the special effects in this are pretty fucking awesome, uh, and I think for the most part they hold up very well. I'd say I've probably seen Savini pull off some better stuff in other movies. But this is still top-notch kills and special effects. Oh, totally. This, I mean, it, it, it's it's fantastic. There's so much gore. <laughs> this movie has it, this movie literally has everything you need. It does. It does. All right. So the cast, <laughs> <laughs> the cast, a bunch of first timers in here. A lot, bunch of first timers, but uh, but people you'll definitely uh, recognize. So. Uh, except for the the kind of main lead, Brian Matthews, who yeah. plays Todd. Um, you know, he, his most notable thing on my end was he was in an episode of Riptide. <laughs> you and your Riptide, Dave, <laughs> Dave and Todd. Um, Leah Ayers, who plays Michelle. Well, shit, she was in Bloodsport. Enough said. Yeah, and honestly, that's always where I know her from. Yeah, yeah, uh, that that's all you need to know her from. <laughs> yeah. And this, um, Brian Backer plays Alfred. Brian Backer, of course, uh, Mark Ratner in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Police Academy Part 4, Citizens on Patrol, is one of the skater kids with David Spade. And, uh, and this was his first movie? Great actor. Such a surprise. When I saw this movie at the Arrow, I was reminded of, oh, yeah, shit, he was, that's right, he was in this. And it's such a pleasant surprise because he's mm-hmm. so great. He did this movie right before he did Fast Times, so uh, pretty badass. Larry Joshua plays Glazer. Uh, probably one of the scummiest scumbags, <laughs> scum, 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 scum. Uh, the guy is a character actor. He's been in a bunch of things from Dances with Wolves to Spider-Man to Cradle to Grave. Yeah. Um, rest in peace, DMX. And, you know, the guy's just, he's like one of those thuggish looking dudes. And, yeah. And uh, New York guy. Yeah, know. yeah. Um, Jason Alexander, of course, <laughs> plays <shit>. Dave. <laughs> 
I mean, shit, there you go. Seinfeld, guys. Fucking, <laughs> by the way, cheap plug. Go check out, go check out Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. Uh, Adam and I literally just started season seven by the time this is being released. So we have over 100 freaking uh, episodes of Seinfeld that we've talked about. But yeah, Jason Alexander, fucking fr- George Costanza with a full head of hair looking actually fucking good looking in this movie uh and acting kind of cool as hell and uh tom savini mentions it in the in the documentary but he's like he sounds like george costanza like he, he kind of has all the same deliveries as george costanza but the difference yeah. is he's so much better looking than, than he was as george costanza yeah i wrote that down i'm like he's basically george costanza he, yeah. he he's he's doing his george costanza right. um you know just funny guy he's a funny guy and uh, he's great. He's great. He he looks like Jeremy Piven, actually. I'm, honestly, the first time I saw this, I, I knew that he Which was... It's not a compliment. <laughs> it's not. I knew that he was in it, but I was shocked at how cool he was in it. I thought he was going to play a dweeb, and he actually... He's kind of the coolest guy in the group. Yeah, he is. Even the dweebs are cool. Yeah, um, yeah. And speaking of dweebs, Fisher Stevens plays Woodstock. And if you don't know who Fisher Stevens is, he's, uh, I mean, he most recently he's in Secession on HBO. Uh-oh. And if you've never seen that show, that show is fantastic. It's basically what you would think the the life of the Trumps it would be if uh-huh. Trump didn't get into politics. He just stuck with just being a dick uh and yeah and he's on that but of course he's johnny five from uh well not johnny five yeah. he's <laughs> he's he's in uh shorts the short circuit movies he's in hackers uh super mario brothers but i love him mostly from my science project yeah yeah no i i have a huge love for uh fisher stevens personally i i think he's fantastic i always love seeing him um it's funny my what put him on the map for me even though i've seen my science project and everything when i was a kid was what was that show key west do you remember that show yes Uh, with remember it it was with the villain from cobra wasn't it it was with that guy and he was, and you could talk to dolphins or something. But anyways, Fisher Stevens moves yeah, down to Brian, Key West, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and yeah, he 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 just Brian Thompson, a, Brian Thompson. And he kind of has a weird little, you know, meets everybody and stuff like that. You know, it's like one of those weird oddball comedy shows. And I'm sure it was only on for one season, but for some reason it hit me at the right time, and I just I loved it, and I watched the shit out of it. Uh, I'm scrolling through IMDb trying to find it, and I don't know what year it came out, but I'm thinking it was like mid 90s or something like that uh but yeah key west yeah yeah so but yeah fisher stevens man always one of my favorite actors to watch yeah he's uh i mean you know besides the fact that he that he plays and it's not his fault necessarily but you know he's playing a stereotype in in short circuit uh stereotype indian guy which it doesn't fly now but i had this debate with um this is all this episode's gonna be plugged up and down i had this discussion with um my uh, co-host of two dollar late fee dustin about the fact that we love remo williams and joel gray is such a uh it's such a racist character playing an asian uh chinese man so you know um but it's what it is it was the 80s shit happened i mean jeanette Jeanette goldstein play uh, a jewish lady plays a hispanic uh you know heavy machine gunner and aliens it's you know and yeah and it's weird because 
Fisher Stevens is like, I think he's like 15 or 16 or something in, in this movie, uh, which is unfortunate yep. that we see his testicles. But um, it's so funny that in like five years, he's going to play, yeah, a, a Pakistani man in in short circuit, essentially, because I think that came out in 86. Yep. Uh, so, yep. yeah. And, and that was a movie, bro. As a kid, that was a movie that I loved. I saw Short Circuit in the theater. I, I loved the hell out of it. But in my mind, because I probably haven't seen it in 30 years, in my mind, Fisher Stevens is not Fisher Stevens. Like, he's just a Pakistani man because I can't remember it he's that Bob. well. His name is Bob. Bob. <laughs> but, yeah, dude, that's it's so weird when you look back on it now. It, it is. It is. It really is. Um, what, one, more, one more person I wanted to note was uh, Ned Eisenberg who uh, plays Eddie and cause he's kind of notable. He's memorable in his role. Uh, that dude's a character actor as well. Been in a bunch of different things, but he was in last man standing. He that, played a guy named Fredo. That's, and, uh, that's what I was going to call out. That's where I know him from. I mean, he's a Walter shit ton Hill. of credits, but yeah. Uh, Walter Hill, um, the last man standing, uh, a movie that I definitely want to do on the show at some point because I fucking love that film. Sure. Sure. <laughs> You're like, bring it on, baby. <laughs> now we might have to do like a Walter Hill thing, you know, and if that's your pick, I'll, I'll pick a different one. Or it, because the Blu-ray only has, is it like only come, the only way to get Last Man Standing is on a Blu-ray with uh, The Last Boy Scout. Maybe it's we just joke. do The Last Boy Scout and Last Man Standing. <laughs> no, because I don't really like The Last Boy Scout. Uh, I like that I mean, one. That's a guilty I mean, pleasure t- of mine. Tony Scott, actually, but uh, I'll take that back. I'll take that back. I haven't seen it since I saw it in the theater. How about that? Okay. And I wasn't a big fan about at the time. However, now in my old age, quote unquote, uh, nostalgia is a hell of a drug. So I'll probably <laughs> enjoy the hell of a hell out of it now. Yeah. And I now. do want to call out one more uh, uh, first timer as well. This was Holly Hunter's uh, first oh, yeah. film. She, uh, Derp, she, of course, she got her SAG card on on this one as well. So yeah, she had two lines. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> she because she even said she was like a, almost a glorified extra, but. Honestly, like there were a couple of those characters in the movie, like three kids that filled out the two main groups that sort of fill out the overnight. And yeah, yeah. she was one of those like those three that didn't get a, like their own storyline or anything, you know. But no, I mean, she she's obviously recognizable. If she didn't go on to the career she had, she would be an unforgettable character. But it's pretty cool. Nevertheless, it's like when uh, Lloyd Kaufman loves to point out that Marissa Tomei was in the Toxic Avenger, but she's in it for like half a second. <laughs> Marissa Tomei is in the Toxic Avenger. Yeah, I know. I love when they're like, look, you know, this guy was in this movie. And you're like, yeah, but not really. <laughs> not yeah. really. And Holly Hunter, she she skirts that, but she was actually more in it than, than Marissa Tomei for sure. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, I would I would say, look, Jason Alexander. Yes. Fisher Stevens, yes. Uh, Holly Hunter, yeah, I guess so. You know, she's sure. in enough scenes, but but Marissa Tomei, come on, no, I'm. Who cares? But Sam Rockwell, like, was was in a great uh, horror film, Happy Hell Night, uh, and he's got a big role in that. You can shout that out, but Fangoria would do that. They're like, look, it's it's Marissa Tomei, and you're like, you can I can't even get a decent screenshot of her in that. Come on, come on. <laughs> the- now. The role that I always shout out for uh, Sam Rockwell was uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as he was like the head thug kid. in. Uh... Yeah, I think that was his first official movie. I think so. <laughs> and then Happy Hell Night was like he had a bigger role in that. But... Anyways, file that under H for toy. <laughs> 
was that what was it from that's from real genius oh, okay that was good that made me laugh <laughs> uh, all right buddy anything uh more to add to the to the opening of this uh or should we you know dive into it let's dive in by doing just a cold dive because the cold opening that just opens right <laughs> yeah, opens. right <laughs> so so we won't even like we won't even set anything up no, I'm joking. I was going to pause and be like, just go. But, you know, <laughs> just do it. Do it. This summer, if you're planning to go camping, don't. If you're looking forward to midnight swims, don't. Sneak on back to the campsite. Get some matches. Build us a hot fire. And if you're thinking about being with someone where no one can see you, don't. Because this summer, a legend of terror isn't just a campfire story anymore. They say he smashed his way through the bunk room door, just a mass of flames. I cried out, I will return, I will have my revenge. He lives on whatever he can catch. Right now, he's out there, watching, waiting. Who's there? What happened one summer five years ago is about to happen again, and again, and again. The Burning. Yeah, no, like you said, it pretty much opens up right away. We get the MGM logo, and then boom, we get uh, it opens on a, ca- a cabin at night. There's a subtitle that reads uh, Camp Blackfoot. Inside the cabin, we see five kids, five boys, whispering around a flashlight. One kid says, Tonight's the night. Cropsy's going to get what he deserves. Remember what he did to you, Snoop? And when he beat up Jamie real bad for nothing, Billy says Cropsy's been getting away with this shit for years. If we pull this off, it'll be the biggest number Camp Blackfoot has ever seen. Ooh, the biggest number. Dance number? No, not dance number. (laughs) No. Uh, All the kids say that they're in for the prank. Uh, Tonight's the night we scare the shit out of Cropsy. Because when he wakes up, when he sees it, he's going to have a heart attack. The main kid, uh, so we don't really know their names, and that's by design because it'll come back around later at the end of the movie. But yep. the main kid says, all right, let's see it. And one of the other boys grabs a box and opens it. We don't see what's in it. They all start laughing. Uh, the main kid now asks for some matches, and uh, someone kind of gives it to him. All the boys put their hands together for the pact, you know. I don't know what that's called, but you all put your hands in like, hey ready <laughs> like uh football it's like a football thing right yeah i guess so yeah some kind ready, of pack break thing. break and break and let's when, go kill cropsy <laughs> yeah do you remember when people used to do blood brothers and they would cut their hands and swap blood yeah i, I do because i mean that happened at the end of uh, it and I, I always hated that it always freaked me out because so gross yeah it's gross why would you ever do that Ugh. I, I never did that with any of my friends i never spit in my hand and shook on or anything like that no spit mm. in your hand and shake what the, the hell was a, what who came up with this shit <sighs> I don't know. Someone grow Cropsy did. <laughs> Cropsy, you piece of shit. 
<laughs> with your whack nose. Uh, so they all put their hands in. They're ready to do their deed. Uh, they tur- they kind of grab the box and uh, quickly leave the cabin without waking the other boys. You see other boys are sleeping in there. Uh, the five teens sneak across camp to Cropsy's cabin that's labeled caretaker. The main kid takes the box and tells the other four uh, to go around back. He then quickly sneaks into Cropsy's cabin and places the box next to a sleeping Cropsy. Get a little jump scare when Cropsy kind of wakes up and, you know, snorts for a second. But uh, Well, he's, yeah, he sits up. Yeah. And you're like, bam. Okay, shit, that was intense. Yeah, because it had a little, has like a little music cue in it, like, you know, type of thing. Yeah. It's um, creepy too that 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 scene because it's he's got like a he's like a hoarder. He's, there's shit everywhere. It's so gross. It's really gross. And he's sleeping in his clothes. Yeah, I used to do that. When I, I was single. Oh, oh, oh no. <laughs> lonely. Oh, oh god. What's the point? What's the <laughs> point? Ah, I'm drunk. Well, I hope your clothes were not as flammable as uh, Cropsy's were. <laughs> Could have been. It could have been, but you, did, you didn't have these Paul, kids. Polyester. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, the main kid uh, quickly uh, uh, places, it, places it and kind of uh, leaves, you know, heads outside. And you see the, the four kids' head through the, the window. They're all staring at him. Like I said, the, the main kid places the box next to Cropsy, and then he kind of lights inside of it and takes what's inside out. But you don't see that either. Um, he leaves and then goes outside with the rest of them. Now all kid, all five of the kids are like at the window looking at Cropsy, tapping on the window and like howling and everything. And there's some good editing here kind of goes back and forth between Cropsy and them. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. Uh, he's kind of waking up and when he does wake up, uh, he sees on his, not desk it's like his dresser next to him uh like work table station yeah yeah and it's also covered in alcohol a rotting skull clearly not something they made but clearly a a real fucking skull uh with two lights in its eyes you know that's where the candles where he he lit and everything but like where the hell did they get a fucking skull well does it have like maggots in it or something or worms yeah it does mud yeah like literally, there's a whole movie probably before this moment of them fucking grave robbing a fucking poor bastard and taking his skull. Pretty much, it uh, it's gross. Who are the bad guys here? Is it Cropsy or is it them? Well, they are. Yes, they are. And actually, that by the way, I meant to mention this way earlier on, but that's one of the things I found very interesting about this film. Unlike other movies where a lot of times the counselors and shit get killed because they kind of deserve it for whatever rules the movie puts in place, here, I didn't want anyone to die. Like, I liked them all, and none of them, except for Todd, had anything to do with Cropsy being the way he was. You know what I mean? So I think that's one of the things that's hard about this movie. Well, but Cropsy does have a reputation for, like, hurting kids and, and being a you know, abusive in, in ways. Right. So he not a good guy, but is he deserving of getting torched? And it wasn't intentional. It was an accident. Right. But they, they do set up him. that he's a yeah giant piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah. So he wakes up screaming and kind of 
quickly swats the the flaming skull over but it falls directly on his legs his flammable sheets and and blanket and everything it is 1981 (laughs) it is and he goes up like a roman fucking candle he is screaming and everything and he he basically the whole his whole cabin catches on fire uh the kids are watching they're like oh my god like they're like we got to help him but i mean at this point his fire spreads so fast uh he runs out the front it is a stunt person in full uh head to toe like even a bike helmet you know everything yeah, it's uh, bad it is it, it's it's bad but like when i was watching the the documentaries a lot of times they would show like some shittier version of it and it's you know you could probably tell it's just a, a straight vhs rip and i'm like you know what this shit probably looked a lot better on vhs but now that we have like hdt 62 inch hd tvs that were like sitting right in front of you can yeah. see everything you see everything from the the bike helmet that he's wearing to like i said fisher stevens fucking testicles so it's, it's all not, there. uh it's 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 not savage streets savage it's not savage streets bad but it's 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 pretty bad but like not and it's in more of like a well it's to be expected yeah you know that shit's hard to do i know i i still so, think one of the best movie uh, inventions in the last 10, 15, 20 years is that gel that you can put on people, you know, and, and it's done to much great effect these days because you don't have to have this entire outfit on. Yeah, totally. Well, he goes screaming. He's, the whole cabin's on fire. He runs through the woods and then falls down into the creek. And the kids are just like, we, let's get out of here. And then it fades to black. I love that. I do, too. Cut to St. Catherine's Hospital one week later with a subtitle. Inside the hospital, we see a veteran orderly talking to a new doctor who just started working there. (laughs) The new doctor is enthusiastic, but the orderly says, when you've seen what I've seen, you'll change your mind. He really wants to kind of like like break his, you know, pop his cherry, essentially, you know, so so show him some real shit. As a bit of like sort of an initiation, the orderly convinces the doctor to come look at a a bad burden patient in there. He goes, man, he's burned so bad, he's cooked. I'm talking Big Mac overdone. And this guy's delivering his lines with just, he's very animated. His face is very animated. Oh, he gets even more animated in a minute. I know. It's classic. I love it. The orderly tells the doctor that the that the guy's a monster. He's like he's, he'd rather be dead than look like that, you know. Uh, the orderly's been working there for ten years and has never seen anything like it. Uh, as the orderly and the doctor uh, approach, the doctor's a bit reluctant, but they kind of approach Cropsy's burn tent. Uh, they <laughs> you know push it back. You know they look inside. The guy looks horrified just to even look at him. You know. And then he leans, the orderly leans back to sort of say something to the doctor and Cropsy's hand comes out and grabs him and, and grabs the orderly. The orderly starts screaming, just screaming yep. as the doctor runs away <laughs> with the orderly screaming, fade to black. Again. <laughs> Again. That guy overreacted, by the way, just saying. Uh, I don't know, dude. <laughs> Based on what we eventually find out about Cro- what the way Cropsy the way Cropsy looks, reaction might be authentic. <laughs> that guy pissed his pants. His he, pants are soiled with yellow, dark yellow urine. 
<laughs> and since I just got finished listening to uh, uh, the boys over talking back review Darkman, I kind of had I kind of had Darkman in my head when I'm watching this, and I'm That's like, huh. racist. That's racist. <laughs> Darkman. <laughs> And I was like, you know what? Crapsy, crapsies, cropsy is crapsy. <laughs> Cropsy's kind of an evil dark man. And I wondered if also he has <laughs> oh, the okay. dark man's strength when he grabbed the orderly. Is he crushing the orderly's wrist with his evil dark man strength? Yeah, I agree with that. He does. He, yeah, I can. Uh, I, yeah. Yeah. Dark Man's great, by the way. I love yeah. Dark Man. I need to give that a revisit. That's one of those movies that I saw in the theater, didn't really love it as a kid, maybe watched it one more time, never really s- stuck with me, but I think I wasn't in the right mindset to sort of understand it, you know? I think you'll love it now. Yeah, that's what I, I, Again, I, I did, too. nostalgia. Now we finally get the credits. I do like some fun, like, backstory before the credits. I'm not going to yeah, lie. Yeah, I dig that shit. Me too. I noticed this is, they so they faded to black twice in a row pretty early on. Then they fade to red mm-hmm. later on in the movie twice. Yeah. Pretty much back to back. Yeah. Yeah. Just interesting. Yeah. No, there's, a, there's an editing theme here. So. <laughs> Jack Shoulder, you're welcome. There you go. Keep in mind, like we said, this was his first gig um he even yeah. said this is also like what taught him horror you know like he he learned how to kind of pace a horror scene from the raft scene in this movie uh because he edited the first oh. time they were like uh they, they needed him to draw it out so he kind of he learned about like horror pacing and build up and everything through that editing scene so good yeah i can't wait to get to that all right, credits. You know, we got uh, Harvey Weinstein, but uh, Tom Savini, that's the real hero here. So good job, Tom Savini. Cut to St. Catherine's Hospital again, but now it says five years later. We see what we know is Cropsy uh, being sort of wheeled out of the hospital, and we hear these sort of voiceovers in the background, so we know that it's not the person wheeling him. It's just in his head or what he's heard and all this kind of stuff, but uh, basically it's a bunch of different doctors and nurses saying things to him and uh, stuff like, uh, he's lucky to be alive. Uh, Sorry the skin graft didn't take. There's nothing more we can do for at least six months. Uh, I know you still resent those kids, but try not to blame anyone for what happened. It was an accident. And someone else says, you've got to forget your hatred. Control your feelings for revenge. And then, uh, and I like how the camera angles, it's on the floor. You never see Cropsy, but like, uh, uh, I guess a nurse is wheeling him out. And all you see is her feet and his feet. And then it gets to the door and he stands up and off to into the world that he goes. And it's cool because, you know, we're so used to Halloween 2. And I'm used to like, I'm so used to these slasher killers killing anybody that comes in front of him. Whereas Cropsy's like, he's still very human. He's not supernatural in this film. No, that's cool though. I mean, this movie is, is, is a standalone movie and you'll obviously explain why at the end. Uh, but it, it's great. It is different. It is different than that formulaic, um, maniac. Like you're right. He has a, I don't know if he has a conscience, but he's got a, specific drive you know uh maybe that's where michael myers kind of failed a little bit in the sense that you know he just went after everybody when when he really just wanted one person in particular yeah um it just kind of lost its way they're like oh he's just gonna kill everybody this is a killing machine you know this is different this is a different vibe i love it 
Yeah, because for me, honestly, when I rewatch Halloween, one of the scariest moments is when one of the little kids at the beginning sort of runs into Michael Myers, but, you know, uh, you know Michael Myers doesn't kill him because he's, he's out on the street and everything, you know, or whatever. Like, I like that. I, yeah, he wasn't like just, I kill everything that's in front of me, you know? He never was. He never was. Yeah, that was always the intention of him doing he he had specific intentions yeah he never killed like the little kids yeah you know and and at, but then it's, it lost its way because mustafa akkad with the producer owned the rights so he's like okay now now we're going to have him kill everyone everybody yes and then uh we'll make it is uh what do we do more killing yeah <laughs> and boobs yeah once yeah, and, and that's, you know, you said that this is kind of a one and done. That's actually what I really like about this movie. Me too. It, it's not a franchise. It's one and done. We'll talk more about that later. But I like the fact that here, Cropsy's Human, it's this, it's a revenge movie as much as it is a slasher film, which is interesting. And um, where's he headed? To New 42nd York. 42nd Street to get laid. <laughs> right? So this is, this is clearly New York, like Times Square or whatever yeah. type, yeah, area. This is. Yep. Yeah. Totally. Grindhouse cinema. Yeah. The exterminator street. Yes. Totally. You probably walked past Robert Ginty. <laughs> probably did. Robert <laughs> Ginty's like, Hey, I'm going to go do the same thing. I'm going to do the same thing you're going to do. Make, going to make hot dog with a fork. <laughs> oh man, I remember that. I remember the fucking fork hot dog, man. Go back and listen to our uh, exterminator review. That was year one, I believe, back when we were baby podcasters. Oh my god. <laughs> but like in that movie, like here, I enjoy seeing like 1980, 1981 New York. I think it's really fucking cool. So dirty, gritty, so gross and nasty. Um. So we never see his face. He's kind of walking through the city. And actually, too, I like his look. He's got he, – he also has a dark man look. He's got the black fedora on, the black oh, yeah. gloves, black trench coat, everything. He honestly, with even without his face being burned, he's a real, He's kind of a cool-looking, like, slasher killer, you know? With his Frankenstein boots? With his fucking giant fucking Frankenstein boots. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> Didn't notice that one. Um, whenever, we, <laughs> whenever we see uh, uh, from Cropsey's point of view – um, it's, it's kind of got this like cloudy look to it. Cause one of his eyes are fucked up, uh, which I liked. I liked that every time you saw from Cropsey's yeah, point of cool. view, it just, it's very obscured. Um, just even in normal, like not just behind trees and stuff. It's got like Vaseline around the lens. It looks very, very, you know, weird. It's cool. I dig it. So he's just walking through the city, looking at hookers and stuff. And eventually he finds one. Uh, she takes him upstairs to her place. He kind of stands in the doorway while she goes in. She, uh, The hooker tells him to hurry up. So Cropsy uh, comes in, closes the door, and turns off the light so she can't see his face, and uh, neither can we. There's actually very little of Cropsy's face in this movie, unfortunately. Yeah, which is um, good, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so she can't see his face. She starts saying like, oh, okay, you can, you know, you, you can, you can leave your hat on if you want. It's okay. I don't mind the mood lighting, you know? Um, but when he kind of steps into the light that what little light there is in the room, uh, actually I thought the, the, the lady did a great job with her facial reaction. She was just like, oh, oh God. Oh, well, it's funny because she's like, oh, he turns the lights off and it gets dark. And then she, she's like, yeah, she makes a comment about the mood lighting and then she turns the light on which basically brightens up the room <laughs> yeah. the same it is kind of funny there's some continuity stuff in this where, or day for night shots and stuff like that where you're like oh this is funny they filmed this different times but it's all good 
There's also an insert shot of a character killed outside, inserted inside later uh, yes. at the in the climax, and we'll find it's out. Very funny. I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's curious it's a still frame too it's it's yes, wild it's, it's the wildest it's the wildest film technique that i've ever seen in my entire life <laughs> and it will never be done again because nope. it's not very good no um but i do have to wonder if if he was gonna kill her like if she didn't react this way to his to his face you know like if she didn't i mean she steps into the light and she's like oh god don't kill me it's like was that was your first reaction? Was don't kill me? Like, am I that much of a monster to you? You know, like yes. Like, <laughs> so, do you think that was his intention, no matter what? Like, he just has death. He just wants to kill at this point, right? No, I think I think I think he wanted to get laid, and then I think she reacted the way she did, and he was like, "Ah, fuck you, then." Okay, okay. So you do think that that if she didn't react that way, it, she would she would still be alive. I think if she gave him. If she gave Burncock a blow uh, a blowjob on a Burncock, then uh, yeah, sure. Oof, Co- oof, oof. You mean Coxie? Yeah, Coxie. <laughs> Burcoxie. Bur- 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 uh, I mean Burncoxie. Oof. That, oof, oof. Oof. Just, just because his whole body was yeah. just destroyed. No, he's he's head to toe. I, I don't. So, I don't. Yeah. I don't even want to so think about it. His given, balls are shriveled up. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Little, little burnt shrivels. Well, Ooh. ever eaten a burnt hot dog? <laughs> the exterminator has. Yep. Uh, so he grabs her Oof. by the throat, kind of pushes her up against the, uh, the the glass window. She's on the second story, the second floor. Uh, she reaches for some some big old scissors, you know, the ones with the black handles, you know. And yep. uh, he's like, nope. He intercepts that hand, grabs the scissors, guts her, dude. Fucking sticks her in the stomach and kind of like twists it around. Man, that's what I feel like Savini's always good with that shit. Like, I think other people would like maybe have her get stabbed just once or something. But Savini always like push it in and then start twisting and moving it around, you know? Well, this and, this is on the heels of uh, Maniac. And so Maniac was that same down and dirty, gritty kind of vibe to it with the with the gore. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it you know, with the scalping and the shit like that. So. Yeah, this 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 tracks. It's gross. <laughs> yep, it's it's brutal. It's it's gross. Yep. Um, and then he strangles her so hard that he breaks through the glass. That's really fucking cool. And then blood sort of splatters on the mirror, and we get our third fade to black. The trifecta. It is because yeah, it's the last one. You gotta get rule of threes. Got to do threes, baby. Uh, we fade. It's, a, it's the Weinstein way. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Jerking off into three different pots, <laughs> flower pots. You fucking nasty fuck. <laughs> him and <laughs> him and Louis C.K. I just you took the you took the sperm right out of my mouth. Uh, Louis C.K. and Bill Cosby. Oh my God! Jesus Christ! There's your triple threat. That, that is a threat. That is a triple Lindy right there. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I didn't mean to throw him under the bus, too. Um, no, R.I.P. Rodney. I know. Uh, we fade in on a beautiful, idyllic morning at Camp Stonewater. And the camp's on a river or a lake? I'm not sure. It looks like a river to me, but they refer to it as a lake. But I... I... Well, I, I spent time on my, my grandpa's... My grandpa had a cottage in off of Lake Michigan, and there was like lakes that are connected with little 
inlets and stuff okay. like that. So that okay. makes sense. So the camp itself is probably on a, a lake, and then rivers are kind of going into it and whatnot. Yeah. Um, we cut to four boys sitting on the grass while the girls are playing softball. Uh, the boys are Alfred, who's Brian Backer, Woodstock, who's Fisher Stevens, uh, Fish, who is kind of like, you know, not the not one of the main. He's one of the main ones, but not the, probably the least main of the main ones. And then he there's looks a, a little bit like uh, what's his face from uh, Noonan from Caddyshack. He does. Yeah. He actually, good call. I, I see that. I didn't, he was looking familiar to me, and maybe that was it. And then there was another kid. Because when I was taking notes the first time, I was like, okay, there's four of them. But it really doesn't matter. That other kid, he's he's not even like, he's like a D-level kid. Okay. <laughs> and this begins the insane amount of sleaze in this movie. And when I say sleazy, guys and gals, I'm not just talking about just straight nudity. I'm talking this scene has no nudity in it. And it might be the sleaziest scene in the whole entire fucking movie. So the girls are playing softball. We are treated to Sally... Running the, the field, brawless, and in slow motion. And you can tell that the slow motion wasn't done in camera um, because always it looks weird when, when you do post-production slow motion versus in-camera slow motion. You can always tell the difference. And they slowed it down post-production when she's running just because she's running brawless. It takes it takes the mind of a sleaze to understand the mind of a sleaze. And as I'm watching this, I'm like, I see everything you guys are doing. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm not sleazy, so. I'm, and I'm also not complaining. <laughs> yes. I know you're not. Uh, so Sally's sitting there running around the bases in slow-mo. We're having a lot of fun with that. Uh, we see Dave, who's Jason Alexander, talking to Eddie. Uh, when I first watched this, I didn't understand that Eddie was uh, one of the counselors, right? Him and Todd are a counselor. Yes. Like he's he's uh, maybe a couple of years older. As, yeah. as someone who has run a summer camp, the, the, the year where they – the within the time frame we're actually recording this running a summer camp yeah there there can be a pretty close age proximity between the counselors and the campers the, like the oldest camper that you can be and then probably usually the youngest counselor they're probably only a few few years apart and yeah. uh you know when i when i watched it the first time i, I think they should have set it up not having uh, dave talking to him because i thought him and dave were sort of together but it's kind of a, just a, a moment because dave's really sort of with the other guys you know yeah but they're both perving out on Karen, uh, who is bending over in front of them. She's like wearing a sweatshirt, but then she's like wearing swimming swimsuit bottoms, like bikini bottoms. It's again sleazy as hell. Uh, Dave says there's no way Eddie's gonna get get her. You know, uh, Eddie sort of you know confidently walks over to Karen, smacks her on the butt, and says, "I want you in the rec room at 8:30." Karen says, "Eddie," but she doesn't say no. And kind of she and Eddie kind of walks away. Dave says Eddie is a is a devil, and he smiles. They're kind of he's kind of sleazy. Eddie's sleazy as shit. Eddie's a scumbag. He's he's a scumbag asshole. He is what he says later. He's like he's a piece of shit. But Dave is like, oh, he's George Costanza. <laughs> and if Dave is younger than Eddie, he probably does think Eddie's cool. But yeah, we we're watching it. Honestly, Eddie's my least favorite character. He's the biggest. He's one of the the biggest piece of shits in the film. Yep. Yep. Um, I wrote, I, wrote, I wrote down some quotes that he has. So okay, here or later? Later. Okay. Okay. Then I'm like, oh, I want to bring that up. 
we cut back to the softball game, and uh, a girl hits a, a foul ball into the woods. What's uh, her name? What's her name? That or the girl? Oh, it's not Tiger. Sorry. No, it's not. Yeah, so it's not Tiger. So the, this girl hits a foul ball, and then Tiger goes running in after it. They're like, "Hey, Tiger, go get it!" and everything. And so Tiger goes in there. She's uh, she's looking in the woods and everything, and we see that Cropsy is standing there. Uh, watching her, but you kind of only see it from Cropsy's point of view. Sometimes you'll see Cropsy's uh, shoes or something, but she doesn't see him at all. Uh, she's sitting there looking through the woods for the ball. Everyone's yelling for Tiger, come on back. And she's, oh, and she finally fi- finds it right when Cropsy's like right behind her. And uh, she runs out and, and throws the ball back into the game. Did he pull the shears out at this point? He did have the shears at this point, yes. Okay. Yeah. Then that kind of moots my point about it. Well, eh, no, he just wants to kill campers. Yep. Yeah. That tracks. That tracks. Yeah, and I don't think that would be a smart one to kill her there with everyone so close, but I don't think – I think Cropsy doesn't care. I think he's just full of rage, and there was a kill of opportunity right there. He missed it, so he's going to start you know, looking later for some more. And he doesn't care, and what I like – one of the reasons I like that is because so often these movies are uh, – the kills are at night. Mm-hmm. Not during the day. I go on a sleepaway camp at day kills too, but uh, th- actually that sleepaway camp had the most inventive kills. But um, but I like the day kills. I like day kills. Yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. And you know, you say when you say something like you know, kills are usually at night. I think we're always like referring to like late eighty slasher films and everything. And well, this Friday Thirteenth, is- I think all of their kills are at night. I think. Yeah, I mean that's most sounds, of them. Yeah, it sounds most sounds of the kills right. are at night. Yeah, yeah. I will say, you know what I love, dude? Um, I've been really kind of in a in a '70s nostalgia mood lately, which is weird because I, I didn't, I don't, I shouldn't have any nostalgia for the '70s because I didn't grow up in it. I was I was born in '78. Uh, but one thing I love is early '80 movies. I love '80, '80 '81 because it still looks like the '70s. You know, kind of like yeah. how '90 '91 really looks like hardcore '80s. You know, still. Yeah. But I like I like this movie. It feels like it feels kind of like the '70s because. It came out in 81. It was probably filmed in 80, you know? So, yeah, yeah that made that makes sense. All the fashion is still 70s style. Oh, totally. Uh, we cut to the cafeteria, and it's packed with kids of all ages. That's another thing I like about this movie. Everyone feels like the right age. You know, Fisher Stevens is young. Uh, that girl, Tiger, uh, she she's, you know, young. I mean, she looks young. So I was like, let me see when she was born. She was like 15 when she filmed this. Uh, Fisher Stevens was like 16. And wow. uh, that, that fish kid looks pretty young, too. So I think they really just, I think they really tried to, uh, you know, um, uh, cast age appropriately which is something that you and i have talked about that we love when they do that especially we talked about uh you know summer of 84 and stuff like that how like uh in in the um i think it was in the bowling alley scene where all the background kids looked like they were actually kids versus you know casting you know 20 year olds as as 15 totally totally i love that too so in, in so in the cafeteria here, you actually see some really young kids too because it's a big camp. Even though we're sort of following the oldest kids, there's still kids of all age ranges in there, and uh, and it looks a lot of fun actually. Um, did you ever go? Yeah, to camp you remember as a kid? remember the good old days when you could actually hang out with a bunch of people and didn't have to worry about getting sick and dying yes yes i do remember those good old days i never went to camp though i never like went away to camp did neither, you neither did i i went to some camp called camp hammer in fourth grade um and and i think that was my only experience i had a really good time with that i got homesick and 
I was one of those kids who didn't necessarily want to be there, but I regret not going on like the Yosemite trip in seventh grade or, uh, because I felt like that's when everybody bonded and got to know each other. And I don't know if we couldn't afford it or I just didn't want to go, but yeah. And now like running camps, it's, it's a different experience. Obviously I wish, yeah, I wish I had gone to more camps as a kid. I wish I'd gone to sleepaway camps as a kid for better or worse. Are camps th- that pop like as popular as they were at this time? Are they popular now, like as they were in the eighties? Because I feel like yeah. what, what what was the point? Just to kids are out of school, parents are working, so like we got to get our kids somewhere, you know, so they're not making trouble. So we put them in camp. Pretty much, I mean, it's it's like you dump your kid off, but then they get this experience of a lifetime too. You know, it's it's a twofer. Yeah, um, it's a win win. I don't know if it's the same now. I, I you know I know. I know, uh, and when I say now, I mean like pre-COVID. Yeah. Um, not, not right now, but, but I, yeah, I don't think it's the same anymore. Um, you know, they don't let you bring devices and stuff like that, which is kind of cool, uh, because you and but I mean, the kids still have a good time. But man, something about the '70s and the '80s, it's like you look at these things. It's such a time capsule. It'll never be that way again. So that, that was like the the heyday of of camps. For summer sure. camps yeah for sure yeah the only one i ever went to was um one in middle school like it was a you know I, it was like sort of mandatory like we all did it but it was like for a weekend um mm. i enjoyed it i didn't love it kind of like you i didn't really get homesick but i didn't have really that many friends in middle school because i changed schools from elementary i went to middle school at different school so i didn't go with like luke and everybody and then i went back to the high school that luke and everybody went to so i kind of like made this like middle school detour and i didn't yeah. really i don't i still don't even talk to any anybody from that that era of my life you know so i just i didn't make any friends those three years oh the good old days what was that camp called um camp no no square don't touch me there <laughs> what i don't know <laughs> i don't know what that was. i just there was a camper at my camp this this past summer and he's like that's my no no square don't touch me there i'm like what the fuck are you talking about what is happening a right 13 year old weirdo who's like i like to hang out with the young girls i'm like oh boy oh my i'm not cut out to be a counselor but zach nope. is because you have you do have a teaching background and you're very you. patient yeah so i'm watching this and i'm like do it do it do it cathartic you're like fucking emperor palpatine like do it kill them all <laughs> this is cathartic for me <laughs> <laughs> no, but like most of the people that get killed, them feel bad, especially in that boat scene. But we'll get to that. Yeah, no, uh, everyone essentially, aside from Eddie, uh, I, I feel bad that they die. Yeah, so. Eddie, that piece of that crap. piece of shit. Uh, so back to the movie. The kids are having fun. It's cafeteria. You and I didn't love fucking camp. That's all there is to it. <laughs> Done. Uh, at the girls' table, uh, Karen is talking to Michelle, uh, who's Leah Ayers. Ear, wait, Le- Leah Ayers. Yep. Ayers. Okay. Uh, yep. And so, so Karen is another uh, um, counselor. So she's she's the equivalent of Eddie. Again, the first time I watched this movie, I kind of didn't understand that relationship either. Um, so it's it's Michelle and Karen, and then Todd and Eddie are the are the two guys. Yes. They're talking about Eddie. Karen and Michelle are talking about Eddie. Uh, she says she likes him, but he scares her. Uh, she even told the supervisor she didn't want to go on the overnight trip with him. Uh, the supervisor said if things get too bad, she can always come back to camp. Actually, he says uh, if things get too heavy, she could come back to camp. 
Um, Michelle tells Karen to break up with Eddie, you know? Um, but Karen can't because she likes him sometimes. I love how uh, Michelle's advice is, you better just get on with it then. And then it fades. Not It kind of fades to black, but it fades out on Karen. Like Karen has like a frown on her face. Like Michelle's it's really like, weird. it's really, it's a really weird editing technique. Because Michelle's like, well then, she's like, well, you better break up with them. And then Karen's like, oh, I can't, I like them. And then Michelle's like, well, then I guess you got to fuck them. And then Karen just frowns and it just fades <laughs> out. I'm like, good Lord. I just realized something too about what when you were talking about a scene later when a, a death is revealed at the end. Yeah, that he put her body there. Well, yeah, that's what we're supposed to believe, but they use a shot. We'll get to, we'll yeah, get to it. But yeah, yeah, that's what we're supposed to think happened, but clearly it's a shot. Reused it's still a shot. shot from it's yeah. a reused still shot. Yeah, a poor, a poor Karen. A poor, poor Karen. Karen, <laughs> I love you. I love you, Karen. Uh, uh, cut uh, to the next day at the girls' cabin. They're all asleep, but Sally's waking up. It's it's the morning. She gets out of bed and grabs her towel and walks down to the outdoor shower. Love at her the t-shirt, sh- by the way. It's so badass. Is it she the big uh, lips? On. Yeah, yeah. It's just like a cool print. I feel like I remember my sister wearing that. You know, as a kid, like just that oversized white t-shirt with the the red lips on it. You know. Yeah, do you remember the you remember the the old school iron on t shirt stores you could go yeah. to? We had Usually one in on the Michigan. boardwalk. Yeah, on the boardwalk. We had one in Michigan one in Michigan called the Bull Shirt. The Bull That's Shirt? It's called Bull Shirt. Yeah. Oh, I get it. <laughs> good good job. And uh, it was so cool. So cool. But I love those old school old school iron ons. Oh yeah, because you'd walk in and you'd just see all these things on the like patterns on the wall and you just basically I want that picture whatever yeah. iron on on that shirt over there and i can see nine and i can still remember the way they smell too yeah dude very yeah, unique i, I do oh, too I and now that that smell is nostalgic by the way to me hey everybody Corey here i just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages I'm John, and I'm the host of Action Action. Every week, I'm joined by James. hey And Dustin. Hello. And each week, we review, debate, and rank a different action movie. We're creating the ultimate list of action movies. From awful to awesome. So if you want to hear three more white guys with beards talk about action movies. And argue about where they belong on our list. And decide you hate us because we've made fun of your favorite movie. Join us every Tuesday, and you can find us on your favorite podcatcher. And Steven Seagal is a joke. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim. And with me today in studio is co-host Dean. Oh, hey, hey, Tim. Dean. Uh, This isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then, thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch you next time. Talking Back. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. 
you're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. And now, back to the show. Sally bumps into Barbara, uh, Barb, as she's as she's leaving the shower. Um, as Sally is taking a shower, she hears a creak. She goes, she kind of like looks behind her and everything, you know, she kind of hears the door creak, on uh, whatever. Uh, she goes back to washing her hair, but hears the door creak, creak again. And she says, Michelle, is that you? We're also treated to some fantastic Sally nudity right here. Well, it's interesting though because initially you don't. Initially, it's like from the head up, from the like the shoulders up. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, okay, yeah, that tracks. That's cool. Like you you're don't like, that's classy right somebody. there. Yeah, yeah, that's classy. And then they go to like this full frontal shot, not full frontal, but from like the belly button up, and you're like, whoa, did not expect that because she very much looks like a very young person. And, and luckily, thankfully, I did check. She's like 24 uh, at this time. But, you know, okay. you and I are old men, so she looks young to us. But uh, thankfully, she's fucking uh, uh, legal because that camera is there for a while. And it again, on, on, on our giant-ass TVs and everything, I mean, she's her breasts are bigger than my fucking head, you know? That's how close the camera is. It is exploitative to the extreme. For sure. Sleaze times 20. And, and Corey it, chose this one. I chose it, and I ain't complaining. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I figured, you, I, and I knew you knew you had to watch this one alone, right? Well, Kristen's like, what are you watching? And, I, and she goes, oh, it's a Corey pick. Like, <laughs> right here, she just sees this. Yep, Corey pick. All right. Pretty much, God. pretty much. It's Corey pick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wrote down, I, I wrote down like, oh, so exploitive. So exploitative. So exploitative. <laughs> and it's not even the worst. It, 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 Karen's is nope. even worse later, but we'll, yep. we'll get there. So we cut back to the cabin where Michelle is getting everyone sort of up. So that was, that was actually a good edit because she calls out, is Michelle there? And then it cuts to the cabin and clearly Michelle's in the cabin, you know? Yes. Um, yep. So I was like, I like that. That was a good little uh, editing technique. Um, back in the shower, Sally is getting more scared and asks who's there she throws the curtain open and screams we don't see we don't see what she sees back in the cabin the girls hear the scream and michelle runs to the outdoor showers as she gets there she runs into alfred who's leaving the showers and this is when i was like oh alfred's harvey weinstein okay i got it i understand totally what this is yeah he's he's a skis eddie and todd come running down from the boys cabin in the shower michelle is consoling sally she says, Alfred, he looked at me in the shower and wouldn't leave. Eddie and Todd intercept Alfred and sort of drag him back to Michelle and Sally. Michelle says that Alfred is sick. Michelle fills Todd in on what happened. Eddie smiles like a sleaze bag. I wrote that down. Eddie smiles like a sleaze bag because of what he did because he, and he's and it's funny because he's sort of behind them too so when when eddie hears it Todd, or when when michelle says what happens todd's like oh god but then fucking eddie's back there like yeah dude so i guess that's probably bob weinstein right probably <laughs> They're and todd is us todd is us todd is us well todd well, is me you i don't know about you <laughs> todd is you you are zach you are the moral compass of podcasting after dark <laughs> and you're glazer, you're glazer. <laughs> 
not Glazer now. Yeah, you are. I'm not that aggro. <laughs> no, you're not the aggro part, but you're the, come on. Come on, come baby. on. Come, come on. on, baby. It's okay. Um, so Eddie's smiling like a fucking sleazebag. Uh, Todd asks Alfred what he, uh, what he was doing, and he said he only meant to scare her. Michelle calls Alfred a de- degenerate. <laughs> Jesus. That's, I mean, that's a fucking harsh word to call a kid, but okay. Uh, Todd tells Eddie to take Alfred to the rec room. Uh, Todd says he'll talk. He's now talking to Michelle. He says, uh, Todd says he'll talk to Alfred. But Michelle chases after him, demanding that Todd gets Alfred kicked out of camp. He's a sexual pervert. Todd is insistent that he can straighten Alfred out. Michelle says Michelle says that he's a pushover and uh, Todd reassures her if Alfred is going to be a problem, he'll make sure he's gone. OK, she, that kind of sort of, you know, she smiles. She's like, OK, fine. You know, she kind of hugs and kisses. And I think Todd maybe is a little bit of a pushover. Yeah, but me, you know, he's he's I think he I think he's not quick to like just cut off that kid's balls, though. He's like, let me, you know, see if I can do something here. It's not I mean, it's not so cut and dry, but yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're like, I, I can see in your head, like all the equations. And I, and, and, Cause I think you're seeing stuff that I probably don't get or understand. Well, or it's just like, you know, she, it, from her perspective, it makes sense that he is a, he is a pervert. He's peeping, he's peeping on, on a naked girl. So yeah, he should get kicked out and Todd, but Todd's like, but he's the male perspective of like, what's the big deal. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. It is really interesting. You could you could psychologically psychologically analyze this movie and come to some interesting conclusions, which we essentially did in a very shorter version. (laughs) It's like totally Weinstein, you know, gripping with, okay, I am a pervert, but am I that bad? Uh, It's bad. But am I that bad? But it's not that bad. He's Todd, too. He's probably Todd, too. Wow. You, you know what? You're right, dude. You're fucking right, man. This is all his... This is fucking Weinstein working some shit out. And, uh, you know, knowing where Weinstein's life went, he clearly didn't work out the correct way to how to do things. No, because he eventually did, like... Worse. <laughs> yeah, he murdered women in a, in, a, in, a, in a mental sense. Yeah, exactly. Piece of shit. Yeah. Back in the boys' cabin, Todd and and you know we we always say we always say on the show we don't ever want to cancel the movies, but we can still say that the the creators are pieces of shit. And and just like I would never want to cancel the Cosby Show, but you know, but Bill Cosby is a piece of shit. I don't want to cancel uh, Chinatown, but Roman Polanski is a piece of shit. I don't want to cancel the Burning or anything else that you mentioned earlier, like Pulp Fiction and stuff like that. But the Weinstein's or Harvey Weinstein's a piece of shit. It just is well, what it is. You just you reminded me of, uh, what was that guy, Silva, Andrew Silva, maybe is his name, but the guy who did Jeepers Creepers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. now thinking about, because I've, I've, I'm never going to watch that movie again, simply because I know, I feel like that guy was was like jerking off his emotions on that. He's the Jeeper Creeper character. He's the creeper. You yeah. Know? yeah. Preying on this young boy. Uh, and same with powder, which I loved powder. And then I'm like, oh man, I ruined powder. Cause you look at it and you're like, he's clearly perverted. Um, there's a little perversion here, but you know, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. That, it, the knowledge sometimes colors or it always colors things. So sometimes that one do, those do for sure with me. I just, yeah. I don't know why, but, but, and I, and I, but you know, I'm totally with you. If you don't want to watch it, that's fine. But you've never once 
ever not that I've ever heard said, you know, they should cancel Jeepers Creepers or Powder. You should, you know, get no, rid of those movies. Because I know, I know people like those movies, and that's, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, you know. Yeah, teach their own. You know, I did like Jeepers Creepers. <laughs> I know, right? Me too. I haven't seen it since. Yeah, me neither. All right, so back in the boys' cabin, Todd is kind of laying into Alfred. He says he saved Alfred a lot of embarrassment by not bawling him out in front of the other kids. I don't know what that means, by the way, bawling him out. I mean, I know what another version of that means, but okay. Um, that phrase is lost yeah. to time or just been perverted uh, through time. Um, Alfred says he only wanted to scare her. Taz says, you think she'll understand that? Or the supervisor? Or Glazer? What about Glazer? Alfred says it's not just Glazer. It's everyone. They're all picking on him. He doesn't have any friends. He didn't even want to come to camp. Todd says he knows what Alfred's going through. Five years ago, when he was at summer camp, he didn't just get balled out by the counselor. He got sent home. Todd says that if Alfred needs someone to talk to, he's here. Alfred doesn't have to take on the whole camp by himself. Alfred says, okay. So they kind of come to a little bit of an agreement. He didn't ball him out too hard. <laughs> Sleaze. Uh, I'm going to ball you all night, boy. <laughs> boy. Back in the girls' cabin, they're talking to Sally about what happened. Uh, the general consensus is Alfred is creepy. Karen says he, he just wanted to get back at Glazer by scaring Sally. Then the girls started talking about the canoe trip and having and basically having sex with Glazer and stuff like that. Tiger, who's only 15, that this is where I looked it up because she's fucking smoking a cigarette, uh, is smoking a cigarette. The actor is smoking a yep. cigarette. Uh, Barbara says she, she'd take Alfred over Glazer any day. Sally says, why is everyone so down on Glazer? And then all the girls giggle. <laughs> uh, cut to Alfred leaving his talk with Todd. And he runs into Glazer by the river or by the by the beach or whatever. You know, it's right there. Uh, Glazer grabs Alfred by the hair and gets in his face. Glazer says he ought to break Alfred's legs and twist his head off. I'm going to tell you this one time. You stay away from my girl. Todd pops out of the cabin and yells at Glazer, what's your problem? Glazer tells Alfred to scram. Then Todd kind of runs down there and gets, uh, gets into Glazer's face. And Glazer gets upset uh, about that, you know, uh, telling him, uh, telling Todd he's got the wrong guy. He's coming down on the wrong guy. And he goes, why isn't he, why isn't he coming down harder on Alfred? Uh, Todd says Glazer's problem is he can't pick on someone his own size. And if he sees Glazer picking on any of the kids in camp, he's going to bust his ass. Glazer sulks away. Ah, the aggro fucking bully, you know? He's a great bully, though. He's really great. I love I love his performance. Yeah, I mean, he's, you, he, you hate the guy. You certainly do. Cuts later that day, and uh, by the river or the lake, whatever it is, but the main water area, uh, the main group of girls. So, as I said earlier, there's a lot of kids at this place, but there are two main groups that we're following. There's a group of girls and a group of boys. We've talked about all of them, but you're gonna hear me say stuff like the main group of girls or the main or or our boys, you know, stuff like that. But I'm referring to those two specific groups. So the main group of girls are out on the raft on the water, and uh, and they're kind of talking. And uh, our four boys are, and that's why I actually wrote it right here. I didn't even realize that. Uh, and our four boys are talking as they walk up to the dock. Uh, the four main kids are Dave, Alfred, Woodstock, and Fish. Dave is trying to encourage Alfred to get in the water, but Alfred can't swim. Woodstock waves at the girls and then wave, wave back from the raft. 
tired of trying to get Alfred to swim, Fish, Dave, and Woodstock all jump in the water and start, like, swimming around, right, while Alfred stands on the deck. Just then, Glazer runs up full steam right behind Alfred and pushes him in the water. The boys rush to Alfred's aid and help him onto the dock. Glazer dives into the water and swims over to Sally and other girls on the raft. And again, you know, this is this is why this movie is so much so different than the other than a lot of other slasher films is like, dude, I love all the kids in this movie, man. Like I love both yeah. groups of kids and everyone that gets killed. I'm, I'm every time someone does get killed besides Eddie, I'm always like, fuck, no. And it's and it's not all like if this is your first time seeing it, it's not all the people like you think it's going to be. And nope. like and by that, I mean, like people who. Not everyone dies either, so it's not like a full a full wipeout either, you know. So it's really weird because a lot of times, obviously, every character in these slasher films are are targets, but here it's it's only about a handful. It's not all of them, you know, and it's it, really yeah. random. It's very unexpected. Everything's yeah. unexpected, including the ending too. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, as Alfred is coughing up water, he's uh, so they kind of bring him back up on the dock. As Alfred is coughing up water, he says, "Glazer will get what's coming to him." Dave asks Woodstock if he still has his BB gun with him, and Woody does. On the raft, Glazer in his weird shorts. Did you know, like, what was up with his fucking red shorts that he had hiked up to, like, they were below his belly button, but then above his love handles. And he's he's cut, so, like, he doesn't really have love handles. But, like, the, the suit didn't go, like, a straight line. Like, he pulled it up on the sides. All these kids have, like, weird bodies. Yeah, they do. They all do. Yeah. They're all super awkward looking. Yeah. The only person that kind of doesn't is Jason Alexander and Todd. But he also leaves his shirt on all the time, though. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Which tells you something. It certainly does. Tells you he's got them moves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. When they jumped in the water with their shirts on, I'm like, oh, I did. I used to do that. Yeah. I used too. to be so self-conscious. Me too. Jump in the pool with my T-shirt on. And I'm like, wait, only fat kids do that. And I'm not a fat kid. I was a fat kid, and I did that because I had fucking bitch tits and moobs, and I was very, very self-conscious of them. I know. I hate it. Why do we guys be so – I mean, movies like this remind you of why you're so self-conscious because you're like, like, oh, I used to look like that kid. But then, like, as you get older, you're like, yeah, but no one is really ever looking at anyone else. Everyone's always thinking about themselves. You know what I mean? Really, people are not looking at other people. Yeah. Unless you're, you know, on a, the prowl. A perv. <laughs> Unless you're like a Harvey fucking Weinstein. perv. Yeah, like Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> All roads point back to Weinstein. All right, so, yeah, so Glazer in his weird fucking shorts. Uh, he talks to Sally and asks if she wants to go swimming with him, and she says no. And all the girls laugh, and cr- <laughs> Glazer looks very crestfallen. He's like, well, She's annoying. She's annoying. Sally? Though. Yeah. Does she give him mixed signals, or is she just, like, fucking with him all the time? She's just, like, I don't know, something about her. Yeah, she does, because she wants it. She's actually, she, <laughs> that sounds terrible. Jesus, Jesus God, dude. <laughs> and I know you, so I know you don't, like, mean, like, like that, but, yeah, it sounded bad. <laughs> You're like, I'm going to stop talking now. <laughs> no comment. Yeah, let's move on. We'll move on. We'll figure we'll figure Sally out later when we get our head when we get our heads right. Um, <laughs> Dave says to Alfred, uh, so he's you know he's, he's talking. All right, sorry, uh, <laughs> I keep losing my spot because you're cracking me up, dude. Sorry, <laughs> it's all right. As Glazer is talking to Sally, uh, his back is towards the boys on the dock. 
Uh, Woody has his BB gun aimed right at the bully. Uh, Fish is kind of like <laughs> kneeling down while while uh, Woody's kind of like using his back to sort of aim over, you know, kind of steady his aim. He says, I got him in my range. Uh, Dave says to Alfred, this is about to be the greatest moment in your life. There will be four commands. Ready, aim, fire, and run. <laughs> so, and then, then, it, then it's weird because he goes, he goes ready aim and then i didn't write it down but he says like pop him or something like that you know and i was like you didn't even say fire you said something different you know yeah but yeah it's still funny it, it it all worked i very much enjoyed it especially this part woody fires his pellet gun and shoots glazer right in the ass and like the so dude great. like sort of he jumps and grabs his ass so he, great i know he starts yelling at them and he's saying he's gonna kill them but the boys are just like laughing at him and they fucking they moon him back and this is where you see fisher stevens fucking balls because he's right uh. in the middle it's right there there it's right fucking oh. there it's wild i'm like i didn't need not did not need to see that nobody needed to see that and fisher stevens probably didn't want anybody to see that <laughs> poor fucking bastard as Glazer's yelling at them one of the girls pushes him off the raft into the river i like that that's funny they, they they're, just, they're not putting up with glazer shit no i love it they, they stick up for themselves yeah cut through later that night in the boys cabin fish and woody are playing poker and smoking Alfred is lying in bed looking out the window. Glazer's in bed kind of poking himself with a dart like a fucking psychopath. Weird. He's rubbing it like almost like a heroin needle or something. Yeah, it's really odd. Yeah. Uh, Dave comes in with a backpack of goodies. Uh, th- this this scene is probably Jason Alexander's best in, in the whole movie. Um, he comes in, he has a basketball, he shoots, he makes it. It's he's, he's, he's on top of the world right here. Uh, he's got a playboy for fish and a hustler for Woody fish says, what do you want with hustler Woodstock? You're too small. Dave says, Hey, size never stopped Woody. That's the world bantamweight jerk off champ. Just (laughs) stick with me, kid. Keep flexing the muscle. (laughs) And that, of course, this all feels very much like guy dialogue. Like, I think they got all this very correct for the age, you know? Yeah, but I never talked to my buddies about jerking off. I never did. I never did. So, so there's... And- there's a different groups of boys growing up. There was the hardcore ones like all jerked off together. I never understood that. Like I never was part of that, but that I've heard, I've heard that happen before. Like I heard it happens and people do it and I never really understood it, but I didn't have a problem talking about jerking off, but I never like did it or anything. I didn't have a problem talking about it, but yeah, my brother used to watch pornos with his buddies and I'm like, why? Why? I, I just sit there and watch it. Yeah. And he made me, one time I walk in the house and he's like, he's like, get in here and watch this with us. I'm like, I, I want to play with my G.I. Joes. Do you remember what porn it was? No, but he's like, this is what a queef is. And I'm like, what? It's a queef. God. And he's like, and he goes, <laughs> did you hear that? <laughs> And I'm like, no, rewind it. No, I want to go play with my Joes. <laughs> no, I want to go now. I want to go. Yeah, I just wanted to go play with my Joes. And they're like, sit down and watch it. They like held me down in the chair. Jesus like, oh Christ, God. bro. Jesus Christ. You're like, I just want to be a kid some more. Let me be a kid. Yeah. My my childhood was cut short because of. <laughs> Isolate that sound. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
God. Jesus fucking Christ, bro. Oh, oh my God. Uh, outside, we see Cropsy sneaking around the cabin. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, uh, you, you're killing me, bro. You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me. Uh, Glazer says, uh, you guys are a real bunch of wimps looking at girly magazines. You make me sick. You ought to try the real thing sometime, man. Is that your brother? Pretty much. And his friends. His friends. Well, no, my brother read, too. My mom got my brother a subscription to Playboy. I've told you this story. Yeah, so... I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's I, not cool. I have, I have a buddy. Um, I'm not going to say his name, although he doesn't really listen to the podcast, but you know. Uh, so he has an older brother, and when my friend was like, I think like four or five, uh, their father died. Um, and then the, like just one of those horrible, like just straight up fall over dead, like heart attack type of thing. Um, yeah. don't even see it coming. My, my greatest fear in life is that. Um, but you know, and, and his older brother, uh, you know, was probably, probably about, I think like five years older, maybe four years older, something like that. Um, obviously very devastating, but you know, now their mom, uh, had to raise them and, you know, she, she was, had no clue to raise boys and everything. And I, he, he always talks about how the fact that like his brother got his mom to buy them a, a stack of playboys from like a yard sale. when like, he just like, we're talking like when he was like 11 years old or something ridiculously bad, you know what I mean? But she just, she didn't know any better. She didn't know how to raise like boys. She didn't know. And she wasn't even planning on this. Like she was thought she was just going to be a housewife, you know, and the husband yeah. probably would have teached about that kind of thing. You know, I, I it's, that's horrible, but at the same time, yeah, it, that happens as a kid, I guess, right? I, my mom didn't buy any for me, so I had to go steal them and then get caught stealing them from the local, you know, uh, five and five and dime. Jesus Christ! <laughs> this is an episode, guys. This is an episode. <laughs> I just picture these kids at a yard sale. Oh, I'm getting this one. <laughs> Only this two one. of the pages are stuck together. <laughs> right, like fucking selling Playboy's oh, at a yard sale, gross. man. <laughs> God. No one just reads a Playboy. No. no one just reads one. No. 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 Don't give me that shit. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, Glazer. Glazer's a dick. Uh, Dave says, we make you sick, huh? Then why don't you, then you won't mind paying the new market price for a bag of rubbers. Five bucks. And he kind of hands him this uh, this you know bag, brown paper bag of, of rubbers. Glazer says, he goes, I'll pay, I'll pay if you got what I asked for. And he looks in, he says, shit, man, I asked for lubricated rubbers. Dave says, what am I, Masters and Johnson? What's Masters and Johnson, by the way? Was that Johnson and Johnson before they turned into Johnson and Johnson? I think that's, yeah, I think that's the company that made the rubbers. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Great, great intel. Great fucking intel, bro. Hey, what do I look like? What do I look like? What do I look like? Master Johnson over here. He's lubricated. Because he's like, he talks like this. He's got this really bad accent. He's like, come on, guys. What's the big fucking problem over here? And, dude, when I was that age, man, I wouldn't even know the difference of, like, lubricated and unlubricated. Well, like, Glazer looks like he's 25 years old, by the way, too. Yeah, he does. He, he does. Like, he's he, with his, like, dinosaur arms. T-Rex arms. <laughs> that weird body. He does. He does. Come on, Sally. Give me a kiss. Come on. What's the big deal? And he does. He's like total like fucking Brooklyn or Bronx or whatever. Yeah. Like that What's the big tough deal? Guy. Come on. Yeah. Piece of shit. Yeah. 
Well, this honestly, this uh, this movie was filmed up in uh, around like Buffalo, New York, and whatnot. So I think a lot of these actors are from New York. Uh, oh, most of those were like sleepaway, sleepaway, sleepaway camp. Also, yeah, you know, like, hey, what's what, what, what's the big deal over here? Yeah, come on, you piece of shit. <laughs> It's yeah, you can't you just you can't film these these summer camp movies on the West Coast, you no, know? Like doesn't work. The, the woods looks are totally different. I mean, there are no woods, you know, you have to film them in like New York and shit. And like most of them were, right? Like all filmed all the Friday thirteenths and shit like that. I think they're all filmed like New York and that area. Yeah. I love Glazer I love Glazer's accent though. <laughs> yeah, so do I. You guys just do the real thing over here, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yeah, what's the big deal, piece of shit? Yeah. Fucking wimp. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go play with my dart in my arm. Yeah. I'm gonna go get Sally. Stick a dart in her. Hey. Hey. For two seconds. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that. Oh. Glazer says he isn't paying for them, and uh, Dave soars. Uh, Dave uh, laughs it off. Uh, we see from Cropsy's POV that he's looking through the window. Cut back inside, and Alfred sees Cropsy and starts yelling. Uh, oh, look out the window. Actually, I thought uh, uh, Alfred did a like great job of his oh, reaction yeah. here. Totally um, agree. Uh, and all of his reactions are, are fantastic, actually. Yep. Um, so he starts yelling. He's like, oh, did you see that face in the window? You know, But, of course, no one saws it. No one saws it. No wow. one saws it. Eh? Wow. I don't hey, even hey, know. No one saws it. What's going on over here? <laughs> I don't even know where the fuck that came from. Uh, no, it's funny. <laughs> no I one like sees it. it. Thank you. No one sees it. Alfred says it was a horrible face in the window. Outside, as Todd is walking towards the cabin, he thinks he sees someone in like an outhouse and then kind of opens the door and a bird flies out. That was kind of a weak little red herring moment, yeah. to be honest with you. Yep. Um, Todd walks into the cabin and tells everyone to get to the cafeteria for dinner. Glazer gives Alfred some shit before leaving. You see, see a face in the window? Shit. I was like, you don't, you don't even have anything to say. Like, he didn't actually say anything. He just got in Alfred's face, you know? Yeah. Because he's a piece of shit. Uh, well, you what, see what I'm going to do with Sally later, okay? Uh, well, Sally got to go down and get some ice cream. You know what's weirdly sad? I hate Eddie more than Glazer because I think Eddie is smarter and I think he's more evil because he's smarter. I think oh, Glazer's kind of yeah. just dumb, you know? Eddie's, a, Eddie's definitely a serial rapist. If, if Eddie has survived this movie, I think he would have wound up in jail. I think Glazer would have wound up dead in the next five years no matter what, but I think Eddie would have wound up in jail for probably serial raping or something horrible. Yeah, wait till we get to uh, Eddie's motto in life. <laughs> I didn't write it down, so good. I'm I did. Good. I wrote it down. Good. Uh, so uh, they walk past Todd, and Todd's like, what was that all about? Alfred says, ah, it's nothing, you know. Cut back to the crowded cafeteria. Our main guys uh, enter the cafeteria like they are the cocks of the walk. I love it, man. Fucking Jason Alexander, Dave, Woody, everybody. Fucking love these kids so fucking much, dude. I mean, Dave's a little bit of a douche, but not too bad. Like, he doesn't cross the line, you know? They start talking to the girls at the table, and Glazer starts flirting with Sally. Sally kind of blows Glazer off, so Dave comes over to sort of bring him back to the table. Uh, and, and, Dave, and of course, Glazer's a fucking douchebag. He like, pushes Dave away. He's like, I'm talking to Sally here. And then fucking Dave impersonates him. He's like, well, can I talk to her too? 
you know? And then yeah, fucking, funny. fucking Glazer fucking grabs him and like tosses him in the chair. And I thought, again, I thought all these responses from Jason Alexander, uh, AKA Dave, you know, Dave's like, Glazer, what, what are you doing, man? Like, we're just, we're all bros here. Like, why are you fucking like hulking out on me? You know what I mean? Like, yep. he's like, Glazer, man, come on. Like, rein it in a little bit. Right. But he's so fucking aggro, dude. Glazer tells Alfred to stop staring at him, and then the boys are kind of like start defending Alfred now, and Dave and the guys defend him. They say he's not doing anything. Dave then turns to the girls and asks if they need anything for the canoe trip tomorrow. A life jacket, spermicide. Jesus Christ. Uh, Woodstock then asks the boys, who has my vitamin E? What is that for, by the way? That's what I wrote down. I said, what's vitamin E for? Because the, the dialogue that the kids say it kind of implies to make his dick bigger or something. But, yeah, Fish is like, Christ, Woodstock, you don't believe in that, do you? You know, Or is it just – or is it like maybe, maybe a mass thing, like make him bigger or something because he's so skinny? I don't know. I don't know either. So, it, you know, maybe, it almost, maybe it's for the bad acne all over his face. <laughs> it feels like a, an urban legend like back in the day. Did did you have did you guys have this where you were uh, that Jacquard Noir uh, would like release some pheromone that made girls like you? Like that was the fucking wives tale where I grew up. No, I don't remember that. But there was a guy in high school named Tony Banderman who uh, who I, I saw one time and he's like, I, I, I put a bee in a plastic bag and I put it over my dick. Sting my dick. Make my dick bigger. I'm like, did it work? He's like, no. Just stung my dick. I'm like, noted. <laughs> noted. <laughs> <laughs> this same dude one time rolled up and he pulled up. I'm at a stoplight. He pulls up next to me. He's like, hey, Zach, what's up? I'm like, hey, Tony. He's like, you like this car? I go, yeah. He goes, I just stole it. <laughs> now, that's fucking awesome, dude. <laughs> and it turns out he did. He technically did because he's like, hey, I can fix your transmission on this, this guy, this other guy's car. And he's like, okay, here. And he's like, just give me the keys. And he's <laughs> bye. And bye. Bye. <laughs> and that kid ended up becoming, wanting to become a uh, principal of a school for autistic kids. Oh, so there you go. Yeah, you know that sometimes they can turn around. And I I'm guess, like, right? Tony, how's that? How's that dick of yours? <laughs> by the way, dude, I got stung by a bee a couple days ago for the first time in like 30 years. Oh, it sucks. Are you okay? Holy shit! It hurt like a motherfucker. I was like, yeah. what the fuck? And I did because I was I was uh, jogging and I had my my shorts. Uh, I thought it felt like the the shorts were like pulling on a hair. You know, like you know sometimes the hair gets caught and it's like it's pulling it out. I was like, ow. So, but you know that's like a two, and it goes like all of a sudden Oof. the pain goes from like a two to like a ten. And I'm like, what the ow. fuck? And I swatted my leg, but I I didn't see it. But I then saw that there was a giant fucking stinger. I'm showing Zach. It was like the size of a fucking dime, like the Jesus. length of a dime. So I guess it was like a wasp or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just Could've got been. caught in my shorts. I didn't sting my dick. Oof. Oof. If it did, it would have made it bigger. Yeah, that's what I hear. According to Tony <laughs> Bannerman. It's a word on the street, bro. <laughs> I'm going to go try it. <laughs> Hong Kong. <laughs> beep, beep. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, so, yeah, back to the movie. Back to fucking vitamin E. Uh, Woody says he's going back to the cabin to get it and leaves the cafeteria. As Woody is leaving the, the cafeteria, 
The head supervisor, which I didn't know at the time, but later it's it's his name is Jeff. I just wrote him that wrote down the head supervisor with a weird voice is trying to get the kids' attention. Did you did you? I mean, his voice is weird, right? Yeah. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. <laughs> guys, guys. <laughs> Guys, go on. And Todd's like, quiet! Yeah, exactly. But yeah, dude, fucking Jeff. Jeff has the weirdest fucking voice. I'm like, oh no, you you, you, you wouldn't be a camp counselor because you would be brutalized by the kids with that voice. Exactly. Um, so he's, he's talking to them about the, the three-day canoe trip to Devil's Creek tomorrow. Uh, cut to Woody walking to the cabin. He walks really weird and awkward, by the way. As uh, as Cropsy watches him, I wrote that down. And I said he is he is every awkward teenager. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel bad for actors. You know, like he's always going to have his fourteenth year essentially on yes. camera like this. You know, and yes, totally. we were all just awkward as that. Yeah. Oh yeah. But none of us have a fucking full movie <laughs> of us walking in it, right? Or showing off our balls. Oh, I, I, or oy showing vey. off our acne. Oy vey. <laughs> His bad acne. Jesus. Yeah, he needed uh, Accutane. That's what I had. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so he gets to the cabin. We, he, uh, we see the crops. He's kind of watching them. Um, he gets to the cabin. Inside the cabin, the light switch won't work, so the lights don't come on. So Woody takes out his flashlights and starts looking through his uh, locker, his trunk under his bed. Cut back to the cafeteria, and Jeff, with the weird-sounding voice, is still telling everyone about the overnight trip and to, like, stick with a buddy and all this kind of stuff. Like, you know, one strong swimmer per canoe. I didn't I didn't track all the dialogue. Um, it's kind of just filler. Uh, back in the cabin, Woody finds his vitamin E, but then he kind of hears the floor creak and sees, like, a shadow walk in. He's sort of hiding in his bunk bed, and he turns on the flashlight, and it's just Todd. Todd and Woody go back to the cafeteria as the supervisor sort of wrapping everything up and uh, finishes his speech. And when he does, all the kids start cheering and everything. It was was really funny. Was it? No, not really. (laughs) (laughs) Cut to the next day, and we see uh, six canoes and about 15 kids paddling in them. It's all the girls and the boys we've been following the whole time. Uh, everyone is horsing around and having a good time together. It's a fun scene, and it ends with one of the canoes sinking. And this is Holly my, Hunter. Yeah, sinks. that's that's the Holly Hunter's uh, yeah canoe. Um, and it almost seems like that wasn't on purpose. That was probably nope. it because she looks right at the camera. Yep. Yeah, it's really funny. It is it's really funny. And I love this scene, by the way. I yeah. I feel like we really needed this scene specifically because you see glazer and and uh dave smiling and kind of playing with each like like we needed i needed a moment or two just seeing glazer be normal you know and this scene though is one of my favorites in the whole movie it feels genuine it feels like they were just like hey guys go have fun we're gonna just film it for for the day like this was probably just a half a day's worth of shoot or something yeah totally so now we cut to nighttime at a campfire and Todd is telling everyone the legend of Cropsy. There was a camp not far from here, just across the lake. It was called Camp Blackfoot. No one goes there anymore. Everything burnt down. There's nothing left except the ruins. Now this camp had a caretaker, a really evil bastard. And his name was Cropsy. Everyone hated Cropsy. For a start, he was a drunk. 
two bottles of whiskey a day, no problem. Like, most of the time, he's somewhere out in space. But if he caught you, look out. Because Cropsy could strip the paint off the walls just by breathing on them. <laughs> now, this Cropsy was a sadist. I mean, he got real pleasure out of hurting people, scaring them. And he had these garden shears, you know? The kind with long, thin blades. He carried them all the time, wherever he went. And he had this kind of demonic way of looking at you. One time, this Cropsy really went after this kid from Brooklyn, followed him around night and day, he made this kid's life living hell. But this time, he chose the wrong guy. Because the kid and some of his buddies had planned a little prank that would scare the living shit out of Cropsy. Only problem was, the gag went wrong. The next thing anyone knows, Cropsy's trapped alive and burning in his bunk. They try to get him out, but the fire's so fierce they can't reach him. All they can do is stand outside and listen to him cry out in agony. They say he smashed his way through the bunkroom door, just a mass of flames. And as he screamed out, burned alive, he cried out, I will return. I will have my revenge. They never found his body. He survived. He lives on whatever he can catch. Eats them raw. Right now, he's out there, watching, waiting. Don't look. He'll see you. Don't move. down after the story ends the music is so cheesy there's moments in this when the music is really cool and there's moments in this movie when the music is terrible when, when it almost sounds like carnival music or something yes yes yeah, yeah yes. i'm with you I'm dude like, what the hell i'm not the i'm not the biggest fan of this soundtrack to be truthful with you no so yeah oh, so but did you get it on vinyl oh it's so good on vinyl <laughs> no it's bad oh but you gotta get it on vinyl <laughs> it's bad either way it doesn't yeah, help it's bad come on some of these soundtracks are not good and people are like oh god get it on vinyl <laughs> if only you guys could see the face zach is making it is oh go get it on vinyl it's the ugliest i've ever seen zach <laughs> yeah and I'm, and I'm not an ugly guy hey ladies you want to see me put a bee in a plastic bag? <laughs> make make a dick grow. Yeah. <laughs> beep beep. <laughs> so as, as Todd is telling the story right at the climax, Eddie pops out with a fake knife and a mask and scares everyone. Todd sort of pretends to bag. wrestle with them. It almost looks like the tour mask from uh, Strange Behavior. Dead a kids. little, a little bit, yep, and uh, reminded me of Funhouse a little bit. That's what I was gonna say next. Uh, the Funhouse face. Hooper. 
Yeah. Of course you were, but I took it out of your mouth. You did take that bee out of my mouth. (laughs) 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 Beep, beep. (sighs) God. And and we've now at the hour and a half mark lost everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Or gained. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, David Irons is like, "Um, I wish I was with you guys right now. (laughs) Not in my loft. Not in my 18th book. I'm sitting here writing my 50th fucking book. That guy is a fucking machine. David Irons. And he just dropped a new book, too. I know we like to keep these... uh, He's evergreen, but uh, go check it out. Go go follow our ba- our pal David Irons on uh, Instagram and Facebook, and uh, yeah, we got some real good shit coming from him with, with him in the future. And obviously, no you guys, you guys and gals have all heard him before on here multiple times. So yeah, we got a newer episode where we talked about our well, sh- one of the many episodes, top five Italian horrors. Yeah, straight to straight to VHS movies too. Both straight of them to VHS. Really good. Yeah. yeah, our boy David Irons, yeah. Yeah. having a laugh. Yep. Cut to cut to Eddie and Karen walking through the woods. They're oh, not really Here having a laugh. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, they're talking about the prank. Uh, Karen says Eddie is crazy, and he says he's crazy for her. Then kind of starts kissing her very intensely. Karen pushes him away, and he says he can't figure her out. First she's first she likes him, then she pushes him away. Karen says uh, she does like him. But he's always talking about how many women he's had. She doesn't want to be another statistic. If two people like each other, you want each other, they do it. <laughs> okay. So let's do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, fuck off, dude. You piece of shit. Yeah. He's a piece of crap. A little weasel looking dude, too. He's such a weasel. That is where he said it, too. It was right there. Yeah, what a crappy head guy. Piece <laughs> of caca. Uh, and then he has like just a micro moment of niceness where he kind of like, you know, she, you know, she pushes back and he's like, fine, you know, okay, no worries, no worries. And, uh, he kind of starts take stripping and, and he says, you know, you can't blame a guy for trying. He's going to go take a swim and she can join him if she wants, you know, she says she isn't wearing her bathing suit. And he says, who's going to see? And she goes, you are. And, uh, but they're all alone. Eddie strips off his clothes and gets in the lake. Karen sort of waits a second and then starts taking off her clothes as well. I love how she gets in when she's she gets in the water for the first time. And she's already wet, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I know that. Yeah. <laughs> full, it, full. Yeah. Yeah. Full. So this is full frontal here. Um, this this uh, <laughs> she the girl who played Karen. I think I was reading an IMDb. I mean, this is full on frontal. Um, that she was like a, a Miss Ohio or something like that. Like she won Miss Ohio. And she said she when she auditioned, said she had no problem with uh, nudity. And then they got to this scene and they kind of really had to coax her. So, you know, you watch it now and you, you see the, the sadness in her eyes and you realize that's not the, the character, that's the uh, actor. And it makes you, makes you die a little bit inside. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when we interviewed Diane Franklin, uh, check that interview out, by the way, on Patreon. Uh, she, she doesn't have a problem with nudity. And I was thinking about it the other day. I'm like, there are some people that don't, there are some people that just don't care. Um, you know, they really don't. And, but, but man, yeah, you definitely see the look on her face. Like she's not, not, it's like they, they shot that scene a couple of times and this was the best reaction they could get from her getting in the pool or getting in the lake. Yeah. And she's already wet when she's supposed to be dry. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and conversely, they said that like sat the girl who played Sally had absolutely zero problem, uh, you know, being naked and everything. And, and Hey, and I say, you know what? Yeah. 
I, I don't I don't want any anybody male or female ever having to be forced to be in a position uh, that they don't want to be in. So that the, the, it, and it's funny because, you know, I watched this movie and very much enjoyed this scene the first time. And then I read that fact and it definitely took the enjoyment away from the scene. I was like, oh, I feel bad for the, the actress now. Took the enjoyment away. Bony, boner killer. <laughs> Well, not really. I mean, the, the boner was still there. I was just like, eh, that's sad. But, you know, the boner was like, I'm happy. All your comments at Corey Nation on yes, Instagram. Yes, yes. All your sexist comments. Yes, I'm not even going to tag Zach on, on Instagram for this one. Nope. <laughs> You're I'm like, just going to nope. go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know what? They're probably going to blame me for that one, too. <laughs> yeah, as they and, and Zach smells like he's perfect every day. <laughs> <laughs> Corey's the big piece of shit here. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so Cropsy's watching this this whole unfortunate scene take place. Um, uh, so Karen gets in the water. Cropsy's watching. They're kind of messing around, but of course, immediately Eddie starts getting too aggressive with Karen, and uh, and again she tells him to stop. And then now Eddie. He really fucking gets mad at her. He's like, get the fuck out of my face, you know? Yeah, it's get like, the fuck out of my face. What a wow, what piece. a piece of crap. Yeah, just because a, a girl won't... Uh, yeah, like, yeah, you're a piece She's of shit, She's naked dude. in the water with him. I mean, come on. Yeah, what and... A dirk. A just, jerk. What a jerk. What a jerk. Just be normal sauce. Just, like, hang out with her. Like, you know what I mean? Like, doesn't have to instantly... But I guess at that age, yeah, you were just always like, I want to get laid. But, yeah, now I'm looking at I'm like, just fucking hang out, man. You don't need to be all that aggressive. Yeah. Uh, Karen sadly swims back to uh, shore, leaving Eddie in the water. When she gets back to shore, she finds her clothes are missing, although her shoes are still there, thankfully. What if she just put her shoes on and then ran back to camp naked? That would have been funny. <laughs> uh so she starts he's got a penis oh it's just like sleepaway camp oh oh Oh. um did you hear that andrew dice clay has like palsy or something like where half of his face is uh uh paralyzed palsy yeah he's got bell's palsy that sucks. Yeah. And then no, Christina, but I heard Christine Applegate has uh, MS. Yeah. She, she fucking like fought cancer like what? She 15 years ago? To, yeah. Double mastectomy. Now oh, she yeah. has MS. Like Jesus. Christ. Getting old sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ. So yeah. So now Karen walking through the woods looking, you know, for her clothes. This scene is also pretty sad. She's like, guys, guys. <laughs> it's kind of funny because it's like such a tease. He puts her, he puts her panties on one one thing puts her shirt on another branch puts her you know it's like here you go Why yeah. a little bit more Why uh, a little bit more you're yeah. gonna die <laughs> yeah because because she finds them all sort of hanging there but then like her it's like her dress or her shorts or something are on the ground and when she reaches down for them cropsy pops up behind the tree kind of grabs her by the mouth but from behind and she's like what's going you know what and then he just pulls out his fucking gardening shears and slices her throat lets her go and she's like oh you know gurgling as she's dying and then he sticks the the gardening shears in the the tree and they're all still bloody and everything as she sort of like slumps over dying holding her throat and i was like that was pretty that was pretty cool that was pretty brutal brutal yeah i especially i especially like the punctuation of putting the gardening shears in the in the tree did you 
I did. (laughs) 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 Beep, beep. I stole this car. (laughs) (laughs) So fucking funny. That's amazing. Uh, Yeah, so she slumps over in a gurgle and dies. Uh, The next morning, Todd and Michelle, they walk over to Eddie, and he's, like, sleeping on the grass in the sleeping bag, and they ask where Karen is. Eddie says he doesn't know where she is. Todd says, you were with her last night, right? She never came back to camp. Eddie says, is this some sort of negotiation? Then he starts yelling for Karen. He's like, Karen! Todd says, cut the bullshit. Eddie says he must have come on too strong last night, and he thought she went back with everyone else. Michelle Michelle says, you jerk. She said she was scared of you. Eddie says, so why did she go with me last night? You wanted it more than I did. Exactly. Just then, two of the female campers yell out for Michelle. They say that the canoes are gone. Michelle thinks Karen accidentally let the canoes go when she went back to camp because the supervisor said she'd go back if things got too heavy. Eddie says it was just a fight, nothing serious. Todd doesn't believe that Karen let the canoes go. Michelle says maybe the kids are pulling a prank. Michelle tells the two girls to gather everybody up and meet where the canoes were last seen. Cut to all the kids and the counselor sitting on the rocks by the water. By the way, interestingly enough, the last scene is where I ended my first uh, note taking. So like my handwriting is real scribbly there. And this scene is where I started the next day. And my handwriting is much cleaner. (laughs) Yeah, because you're getting tired. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, this was today. I did this today. Uh, Cut to all the kids and the counselor sitting on the rocks by the water. Todd asks if anyone knows what happened to the canoes. And, of course, Glazer points at Alfred and says, there's your answer sitting right over there. Alfred says, I don't know what you're talking about. Todd tells Glazer to cut it out and tells everyone to split up and search the area. If they don't find the canoes, Todd says they'll build a raft. Michelle asks why they don't walk back to camp. And Todd says, in a very condescending way that there's forests all around them there's no way we'd be able to too thick to walk through he almost has this like duh duh michelle like kind of look on his face well it is kind of a dumb thing to say uh sad thing is i thought it though i was like just walk back maybe i'm an idiot yeah (laughs) i teed that up too perfectly you did (laughs) you did oh shit fuck um this is a wild episode buddy (laughs) Uh, it's great uh the group disbands and goes looking for the canoes we cut to michelle and todd on the rocks by the water todd says he has a very uneasy feeling about karen missing and the canoes michelle asks if they're really going to build a raft if they don't find the canoes todd says they're going to have to cut to fish woody and dave all walking through the woods this is fantastic Fish asks, what the hell are we looking for anyways? Woody and Dave both answer at the same time, your mother. (laughs) And then it was great because Fisher Stevens looks back at at Jason Alexander. It's really, really good. Yeah, it's great. These kids are fucking awesome. It's a great moment. And it reminds me, like, these are the micro moments that remind me of movies like uh, uh, Summer of 84, which do a better job of having the kids be much more fun and everything. But these are the micro moments that I feel like probably inspired Summer of 84 to be like, oh, that's a moment that's great. Let's, you know, let's build off of something like that, you know? Yeah, totally, totally. Fish then finds a small piece of wood. Um, Barbara finds like a milk carton thing and Woody like sort of makes fun of it, you know, and throws it back in and she kind of pouts and Dave and her kind of go walking off. 
Cut to Sally walking through the woods with Glazer in hot pursuit, asking why she's been blowing him off lately. She says that she says they're supposed to be looking for the wood. Glazer tries to kiss her against a tree, but she says no, and he relents. They go back to sort of looking for wood in Glazer's pants. Just kidding, they don't. <laughs> Cut to Todd, Michelle, and Eddie building a raft together. Todd says as long as they are done by the afternoon, they'll be fine. We see from Cropsey's POV as he's walking through the woods. Cut to Glazer practically raping Sally against a boulder. Yes. Sally says, not here. Later. Maybe. Glazer says, you can trust me. It's going to be real good. Spoiler alert, it won't be. They go back to kissing, and the camera pans over, and we see Alfred, a.k.a. Harvey Weinstein, spying on them from behind a tree. That's a total Weinstein move. Uh, Oh, it's such a creeper. Yep. Cut to Todd and Michelle helping the raft, helping push the raft off. On the raft is Eddie, Fish, Woody, Barbara, and Diane. Todd says, no side trips, just go straight back to camp. Michelle says, if they make good time, they should get there before nightfall. Eddie says, if they aren't back by tomorrow, call in the Marines. And then uh, they kind of, you know, shove off and everything. But actually... uh, like all the dialogue here feels very natural and realistic. Everyone's sort of talking. People are talking over each other. It doesn't yep. feel very scripted. It's really, really natural. Yeah, and and they're heading to eventual doom. But it feels, yeah, it feels like this. Well, this is what you would do. This movie has so many awesome little micro moments of like genuine moments that they feel Agreed. like they, you know, they, it's like this, the raft scene in the water. Not, I'm sorry, not the raft scene, but the canoes in the water and everything. Like it just, it just, there's these micro moments that just feel fantastic in this film. Yeah. All right, buddy. Here we go. Cut to the raft. Everyone is clearly paddling upstream, it looks like, by the way the water is sort of going. Yeah, they're having a hard time. <laughs> they are struggling. But I guess it makes sense because later the raft flows back down to them. So that makes sense that they would be are paddling upstream because later yes. the raft will come back. Yeah, good point. So they, they do. They look exhausted. Barbara and, and Woody are bickering, but Eddie tells them to shut up and keep paddling. Uh, Barbara asks Eddie how come Karen left early. Eddie plays coy and says she must have been upset about something. Barbara kind of doesn't really believe him from the looks of it. Just then, Diane spots one of the missing canoes off in the distance, and they start paddling towards it. As they get closer to the canoe, Woodstock starts reaching out to grab it since he's sort of in the front of the raft, and he's got those long, gangly arms. (laughs) All of a sudden, Cropsey pops out of the canoe with his shears open and raised in the air. He sort of slices fish in the chest, kind of. That that was a little bit of a weird one because fish's chest kind of explodes. Um, But I think he kind of swings downwards and and hits sort of fish in the chest. Uh, Then he stabs Barbara and knocks her into the water. Woody raises his hands and Cropsey cuts off his fingers as he screams. Eddie falls back and Cropsey stabs him in the throat. Diane screams and he fucking throws his arm around and fucking almost like cuts the top of her head off. Like he slices yeah. into her Oof. forehead. It's yeah. You can like breaks the bone and everything that almost looks like the most brutal out of all of them. Totally. And, and her hand is kind of laying over the water and the, the blood just kind of runs down, drips into the water and it fades to red that that sounded so quick 
and it is quick in the movie, but it is so powerful. This scene is what people remember this movie for, is the raft scene, and rightfully so. Tom Savini, uh, from my understanding, Tom Savini almost practically blocked all of this, um, the shots wise, uh, he helped edit this scene. Um, so Tom, Tom Savini, not, not just doing the special effects, but very, very instrumental in just pulling this entire scene off, uh, to begin with. Other than at the beginning of the movie, Cropsey is never played by that guy again. In this scene here, it's actually the director is is the one you see in all the images uh, of him standing. Everything else is, is Tom Savini arm swinging stuff around. But, dude, this raft scene, buddy, blew me away when I saw it for the first time last year. I knew it was coming. Still blew me away. Blew me yeah. away when I watched it uh, for a second time a couple days ago. And it blew me away when I was breaking down the movie uh, just today. This scene uh, is gut-wrenching, um, it's amazing, it's well-crafted, and very well-edited. What uh, What's your take on this, my man? Yeah, the, the finger's getting chopped off, it's so, oh, it's so painful, so painful. And it's, uh, yeah, everybody gets wiped out at once, and it's in the daytime, so you just see everything clearly. Yeah. And it's really intense, it's terrifying, it's terrifying, still, still is, uh, watching it, just the other day, I was like, well, shit, that's still really intense. And, and you bring up a good point. It's in broad fucking daylight, dude. Yep. And it is a yep. a frenzy of death. And, yes. uh, yeah, the likes of which, you know, we've never seen other. Like, nope. We've seen, you know, mass slaughters before, but there's just something very, very unique about this, this raft scene right here. Totally. Totally. Oh, it's brutal. It is. It really is. And it's also because... Everyone that dies here, sans Eddie, you don't want to see die. It's almost, no. I mean, it's 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 not as gut-wrenching as Woody dying in Summer of 84. Fucking spoiler alert uh, for that movie if you haven't seen it. But it's not as gut-wrenching as that because you had Woody the entire movie and he was like a main character. But it's it's close, dude, because you lose both Fish and Woodstock here. And I loved oh. Woodstock. And I loved Fish, too. I know. Such a bummer. Yeah. Such a bummer. And Barbara with her upper teeth thing, but she was but cute. But Dave, Dave's still there. Dave's still there. Dave, Dave's going to need therapy for the rest of his life. No doubt. <laughs> hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hello, everybody. I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la. 
And now, back to the show. Cut to Todd and Michelle in the woods. Michelle says, uh, we really could get lost so easily in here. Kind of like just reiterating what, what Todd said earlier. I didn't feel like they needed to put that in there. No. Um, but okay. Todd says that that's what he was hoping for. Ooh. <laughs> Michelle asks if she thinks that the kids are back by now. Todd says there probably are. And uh, they should head back before it gets dark. Todd says, uh, we built that raft uh, so they're probably safer than we are. Ha ha ha. And so mm-hmm. they have a little fun in the woods before they head back. Cut to later that night, and Glazer and Sally are hooking up, like, far away from the camp. Sally says, we shouldn't be so far from the others. But Glazer says, trust me, it's okay. The camera pans over, and we see that they are in a sleeping bag together having sex. Glazer's on top and comes early. (laughs) Sally says, that's all? Glazer gets all mad, kind of punches the ground. He's like, it'll be shit. Yeah, shit. It'll be better next time. I promise. That's Zach, terrible. Zach and I are both doing the same like mouth movements together. <laughs> hey, come on, come on. You look, Sally. I tell you what. Well, I'll go back to the camp. Get you some matches. Build you a nice fire. Yeah. This is 1981 when building a fire for a girl instead of instead of holding on for at least 15 minutes in sex is more important. I mean, what's the big deal? I build you a nice fire. Keep you warm. Yeah, you like that? Keep you warm. Okay. Yeah, no, she agrees. <laughs> You're not wrong. All of that. I, no, I'm not even no. going to say what I wrote. You you did it all. So, yeah, she agrees to that romantic gesture uh, from yeah, him. Yeah, it's me and Glazer. I'm romantic. Yeah. I'm going to build a nice fire with some ashes from the, with you my, know, from the camp. With my upper lip. With, yeah. my, with my Brooklyn accent. Yeah, come on. Come on, Sally. Let's just try it again, huh? Of course we see Cropsey's sort of watching them because we see from his POV. Uh <sighs> He actually, uh, he doesn't, yeah, breathe as much. No, uh, that's, yeah. No, because no. his mouth is burned shut. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> a straw for a mouth. Okay, so Sally says, don't be long. And uh, Glazer gets out of the sleeping bag and balls. We can see Glazer's balls right here. <laughs> oh. I don't know why my fucking radar was to balls this movie, but. Oh, once I, I know why. <laughs> it's, they're balls. <laughs> I'm fucking grabbing mine right now as I'm talking. <laughs> Oh, Jesus Jesus Christ. Christ. (laughs) This is it. Year three, we're done. Zach's like, I quit. This is uh, We're over. (laughs) So she says, don't be long. He gets dressed and starts heading back to camp. Um, Then we see he almost kind of like quickly, like right away, right when Glazer leaves, we see Cropsey's like watching Sally all alone. Then he starts walking up towards her from behind. He doesn't waste any time whatsoever. He kind of pops out in front of her. Sally screams, please, no, and starts grabbing the opening gardening shears and sort of holding them back, like holding them off. You know, we, we hope so, but, you know, probably not. But. I like that we don't see what happens. I, I thought this ended. I, I thought this was intense at the very end, like the, Sally's face and everything. It was yeah. very intense. Yeah, it's effective. Yeah. Cut to Glazer sneaking back into the camp where everyone is asleep by the fire. He grabs the matches and we see Alfred's eyes open, look at him, and they kind of kind of close them again when, when Glazer looks over, so he doesn't see that Alfred, uh, you know, is is awake. When Glazer leaves, Alfred gets up and follows him. On the way back to Sally, Glazer gathers uh, some wood as Alfred follows behind him. 
He's literally like five five feet behind him. Right. And so it's when really it, funny. when it gets to the camera shot, I watched this twice and I rewound it to look. So they're you know the camera's kind of moving through the woods with them right now and yeah alfred's like so close behind but then it now cuts to this camera shot where it's like low right by sally's head and it's a long shot of glazer sort of walking towards her but at the beginning of the shot at the beginning of the shot the actor glazer he's looking back at alfred like dead looking at him almost i kind of got the (laughs) sense that maybe it was like it was like they yelled action and maybe the actor looked back just to see if, if Alfred, you know, was ready as well and they both moved, but they should have cut it after Glazer looked forward because he he looks right at fucking Alfred in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, this movie while while I really enjoy this movie, it's very flawed in its schlockiness in that yeah. way. It's schlocky in the in the like, oh, they should have trimmed that or edited that. A lot of gaffes in this movie. A lot of gaffes. Yeah. When Glazer sort of gets back to Sally in her sleeping bag, it's the sleeping bag's kind of covered all the way up to her, sort of her forehead, so you can't see what she looks like. Uh, he thinks she's just sleeping, you know, because the bag is covering her. He sort of leans down over top of her and moves the bag a little bit, and you see these gardening shears right there. And then, oh. boom, they shoot up and hit Glazer in the throat, and Cropsy basically starts picking up picking him up in the air via the, the, the blades in his throat. So, Oof. but my question was, so was Cropsy under the sleeping bag with her? Is that where he was? I, that it, I think that's, it's supposed to give off that sense. Yeah. Because it's not blocked and, and set up like that. You know, like it's just, yeah, it's very, it, it doesn't make sense, but I think that's what the intention was. Okay. Okay. So he popped out of the sleeping bag essentially. Yes. Um, yeah. And there's a great shot of, you know, of course, again, Tom Savini, awesome special effects. Uh, you know, Glazer is being, like, walked over to a tree and with the blade through his neck. But Tom Savini had a, a, um, a mold, like a, a guy who could um, mold metal. So yeah. he, so that is metal garden shears that are that are basically molded to be circular and then go back around to a point in the back so they could open them up put them around the actor's glazer's actor's neck and the point would still be out of the back so when when he gets pushed against the 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 tree that's actually the the blades are going into the tree it's very effective and again oh totally tom savini like at just not not his best, but I mean this is Tom Savini in his prime, you know. Oh, I and agree. Coming up with a lot of shit on the fly too. Yeah, for a low budget movie. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's a, and this is a good death, very good death, awesome death. Um, but also, I didn't want Glazer to die though. I, I didn't care I did. if Eddie died, but I didn't really want Glazer to die. Nah, yeah. I wanted Glazer to die. Okay. He came he came too fast. He did. Minute Man. Uh, of course, Alfred ah, sees... Shit, Sally. I'm now I'm dead. I can't even fix it. What's the big deal? Oh, Sally. Shabba shuba shuba. Alfred sees this and goes running back to camp. Cut to Alfred ugly running through the woods. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's the ugliest uh, run I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, he goes back to camp and starts. He wakes up Todd. Todd says, "Alfred says I couldn't help it. it. It happened so fast. He was out and then on top of him in a second. He's like, look, Glazer's dead.' Of course, Todd doesn't believe him. 
Uh, Alfred says it was the guy in the face in the cabin window. You know, Todd tells Alfred to be quiet. He's going to wake the others up. He says, all right, I'll go check on him with you, you know. Knowing what we find out later, that's interesting. Alfred and Todd uh, run through the woods until they find Glazer's dead body. Which I love because normally the bodies are hidden. Yes, that's another cool thing that that this movie does differently. You're right. That's very cool. As Todd is, ex- and, and another thing is different too is uh, Cropsy's waiting by the body too. So yeah. as as yep. Todd is crouched over, you know, checking tr- checking it out, Cropsy pops up from behind the tree. Uh, Alfred yells to get Todd's attention, so I think that kind of messes up uh, Cropsy's swing because he kind of only grazes Todd in the head and, and knocks yep. Todd over and unconscious. Again, Alfred runs away. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just alfred running from screen left to screen right then screen yeah. right to screen left you know basically <laughs> um this one's kind of cool though because as alfred's running through the woods we see cropsy's pov and he's right on him like right on his tail you know but uh he's in hot pursuit but alfred kind of quickly drops down behind some boulders and hides from cropsy uh cropsy's yeah, they, they fucked uh they took that in uh lord of the rings Oh, they just hiding, off. hiding behind boulders. Yep. Yeah. From the from the weird ghost killer things. Uh, the ring wraiths. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, that. Ghost killer things. <laughs> Whatever that. <laughs> uh, cut to Michelle, Dave, and the rest of the campers on the shoreline. They see the raft float back into view, but they don't see any of their friends on it. Dave, of course, thinks that Eddie, Woody, and Fish are just messing around with him. Michelle tells him to stay on the shore, and she goes in the water and swims towards the raft. At the same time, Todd sort of wakes up, uh, and he's running through the woods, and uh, he gets back to them, but he's across the water. Like, he's across the river, standing on an embankment. They're on the other side, but he can see them. He yells, because he yells all the kids there, but he doesn't see Michelle in the water just yet. He yells at them, is Alfred there? The kids yell back, and it's actually Jody, uh, uh, Holly Hunter, yells back, um, and she kind of points uh, over to Michelle. The kids yell and say, look, you know, point over to Michelle. He looks at her, you know, he sees her swimming towards the raft. As she gets to the raft, she sees a hand. She goes to grab it, and it's like a severed arm falls on her. She screams, and then Woodstock's dead body floats up on her, and she screams more, you know, and, and fade to red on this one. Fade to red again, and, and great reveal. Great yeah. reveal. Very, very good. Very good fucking reveal. I, and again, I love that the bodies were not hidden. They're all in plain sight. Yeah, yeah, he, he he's not, Cropsy's not trying to, like, Cropsy doesn't have, like, a long game here, you know? He's just killing as he sees fit, you yep. know? Although he did steal Karen's body, probably to root the corpse, because he's a fucking perv. <laughs> You're like, again, I got no comment. Corey's like, God, that's what I would do. I'd take the best one in so I can keep it. Us pervs can smell our own. Rah, yeah. Rah. He's got glazers, lubricated rubbers. So good to go. <laughs> I love your voice for me. It doesn't sound anything like. I don't me. know why it says it's like dead, dead Larry King. <laughs> dead Larry King. <laughs> lubricated rubbers. <laughs> Call it two. Uh, we get a rest sm- in peace. Yeah, R.I.P. We get a small time jump, uh, and the raft is on shore. All the kids are that are alive are crying and holding each other, devastated. That's really funny. Because I'm sure they had to pull their friends' dead bodies onto shore as well. They couldn't just leave them in the water. Oi. 
Oy vey. Uh, Todd is telling Michelle to get back to camp and get help fast. We cut to Alfred still running through the woods. Uh, we think he's safe um, by hanging out sort of by some rocks, but the camera pans up and we see Cropsy's feet right above him. Cut to Michelle, Dave, and the rest of the kids on the raft paddling up river. Cut to Todd is walking through the woods by himself calling for Alfred. We see uh, more shots of Alfred running through the woods as well, and also Todd has an axe. By the way, there's going to be now a lot of back and forth cutting uh, till, till the climax, essentially. Yeah, they filmed this at a really cool location. Uh, in in Malibu, there's a hiking trail that has an abandoned home, like a burned down home. So you're basically you walk through the layout of a home, but it's on a hiking trail. That's cool. And and it reminded me of that in, in this upcoming scene. Okay. Well, yeah. When they get to burnt down uh, Camp Blackfoot. Yes. Yeah. Cut to a scene of uh, Michelle in the raft. The kids are, you know, kind of tired and everything, and she's encouraging the kids to keep going, keep paddling. Uh, you know, Tiger says she's tired, yada, yada, yada. But they're almost back to camp. More shots of Todd running and uh, one of Cropsy watching Alfred in the woods. Michelle and the kids make it back to camp. Jeff, this is when I discovered his name was Jeff because I was watching yeah, with subtitles, too. and right, and they say his name, Jeff, when, when he calls yeah. out. So I was like, me I was like oh, like, oh, noted, <laughs> Jeff, okay. <laughs> look, guys, look, hey, guys. Guys, guys. Guys, uh, guys. Michelle, what's, what's going on, Michelle? I, I don't understand. <laughs> oh, stop being such a baby. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Jeff asks, what's up with the raft? Michelle, uh, Michelle asks, where's the outboard? Uh, he says he's, he asks what she wants with the outboard. Michelle runs up to him and says, there's a killer on the loose. Jeff doesn't believe her. She says, look at these kids and points to the kids on the raft. Uh, you know, then you see them on the dock and they're all fucked up and everything. And that's when Jeff kind of has this like moment where he's like, oh, shit. And kind of like runs after uh, Michelle. Yeah. You remember the good old days when you joked about someone being dead? <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> Maybe in He's dead. Oh, stop pulling my leg. Stop pulling my leg, guys. Stop pulling my leg, guys. Come on. <laughs> Who says that? Who says that? Who talks like that? <laughs> Jeff's. John's dead. Oh, yeah. you're just messing with me. <laughs> Why do you want the outboard? Yeah, <laughs> see? Uh, cut to Alfred making his way into the burned down ruins of Camp Blackfoot. Uh, we got back to Michelle and Jeff. <laughs> 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 yeah, dude. He's fucking... He's acting. He is definitely acting. Oh, it's great. <laughs> got back to Michelle and Jeff in the outboard, racing back to where Todd and, and Alfred are. Jeff says, how long How long till the police get there? Michelle <laughs> says she hopes they're already there. They said they were going by helicopter. Yeah, I love that. It's smart that they put that in there because probably you know it's like, wait, you didn't call the you didn't call the cops. Hey, man, didn't call the cops, eh? Yeah, but they did. They did. Oh, so here, this scene is fucking time padding 101. We get like five fucking minutes of of Alfred sort of sneaking through Camp Blackfoot. Yes. And it's not tension building because you don't really see Cropsy there. I was like, maybe they're trying to build tension. No, this is padding. They they are padding the runtime on this movie right here. They do because he's like looking in windows, sticking his head in the windows. And you're like, dude. If you're trying to evade a killer, you would not be sticking your head through a door jam. Yeah. 
Yeah, dude. And you could have cut literally all of this. Yeah. Alfred finally sort of rests against a wall, but Cropsy immediately, like you see his hand come out and grabs him by the neck. Todd hears Alfred scream and goes running towards the sound. Cropsy drags a screaming Alfred uh, into one of the burnt out buildings and slams the slams him against the wall. Cropsy sort of gra- gags him with like a, a belt or something. Yeah. And then, all right, so I'm about to try to describe this. So, so, uh, Alfred's left arm is is out against the wall, but sort of out straight. Cropsy takes his open uh, gardening shears and slams them into the wood. It's not like impaling his arm, but it's obviously slicing his arm and keeping it in in place. But clearly yeah. not doing a lot of damage, but just there to sort of keep his arm in place without him moving it, or he'll slice. You know, he'll slice it basically. It must be his jerk hand. <laughs> Because the if, dominant one. That's right. Because if because if he was right-handed, he would have been able to pull it out no problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I followed your logic there, buddy. <laughs> but I, I explained it for the people who might not have. Yeah. So so it's a win-win. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Just like this episode. <laughs> to Watch, both. this will be our most popular one. People, will be, you guys are on fire. <laughs> I, I call this. I call this the career killer. <laughs> oh no! This is good. Uh, Todd makes his way to Camp Blackfoot and starts looking around. He eventually finds the building Alfred is in and sneaks into it. Now, this is weird. Inside the building, it looks like an abandoned mine, you know? But, okay, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to worry about it. But it's definitely like an abandoned mine shaft or something. It is an abandoned mine shaft. You're like, wait, oh, okay, sure. Was that Just go with with it. It's the 80s. Just go with it. Camp Blackfoot was just built on an old abandoned mine shaft, I guess. Uh, Todd stalks around the dark with his axe and fucking eventually trips over some debris. He's not the best fucking final guy i guess it's another reason this movie is also different is because it doesn't have a final girl it has a two final guys yeah and i love that i don't love todd tripping over debris but okay todd todd keeps calling out to alfred uh but doesn't find him he eventually kind of walks up the rail where like this a track where the one of the carts are you know um and then he doesn't get all the way to the top of it but he kind of turns around and as he does the cart starts coming down after him it gets like unlocked and starts coming down after him he jumps and dodges out of the way but when he does he kind of crashes into a side room or something and looks up and sees i mean it's karen but it's a shot from when she gets killed by the by the trees and you can tell that that they really tried to do some post-production stuff to make it so like you couldn't really see the tree behind her and it's a still frame you know what i mean and it's just yeah he's just staring at a still frame of karen from her death earlier which i I don't know if that was inserted like they thought they were going to bring like hey karen we'll get her back and just do the insert you know insert that shot or something later but they didn't get it so they had to do this it's weird it's really really weird yeah, it's like uh, on the new iPhones when you take a portrait photo and it blurs everything out around it. Yeah. And she's got that ah, look on her face. Yeah. Ah, I've just been killed. Maybe she was like, fuck this. I'm not doing this movie anymore. And they're like, okay, just fuck it. Just take a picture of her from earlier. Yeah, because yeah, it's, it's, it's a still frame, so it's not even like moving. So it's even got like the, yeah, the, 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 
you know, yeah, the the speckles and stuff because you can tell it's a still it's frame. It's terrible. It's it's really bad. It's probably yeah. the worst thing in the in the whole film. Yeah. All of a sudden, Cropsey turns on a flamethrower and Todd spins around. This is, by the way, this whole final scene is really weirdly blocked. Um, it is because I I gotta say the 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 mine cart goes down the rails and then suddenly the mine cart is back up. Oh, you get to that again. No, no, no. I would no, no. I'm agreeing with you. I'm I, my finger was up because I was agreeing with you. You're 100 percent right. Uh, I saw that as well. You're, uh, they basically like took the same shot. Yeah, I think and just reinserted it. They reinserted because also when Todd is going through, you know, Blackfoot, come and get your love uh, camp, and because uh, I think that's the name of the band that does come and get your love. I think they're called Blackfoot. Um, it's the same. Literally, it's like doing the same things that Alfred was doing, going through the. Same layout. And there's two spots where, where Todd kind of sticks his head through this little opening. And, and yeah. the second time, uh, dust falls on his head. But you can tell it's the same. Like, they even lit it the same and everything, yeah, even though it's supposed it's to be in different you know times and whatnot. Yeah, it, it, this whole back end. But by the way, uh, so the DVD and whatnot didn't really get into it. but And I'm sure fans out there know more about it but they the weinsteins took the movie away i believe from the director um especially in the editing part they 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 oh, really he he wasn't allowed in the editing room and everything so i think there was some bad blood there and whatnot but they had tom savini i think re like direct this this climax or something to that extent uh so guys and gals look into that there's something there i couldn't really find out much on it just with with what was available but i'm fairly mm-hmm. certain that that people know more about it than i do but i think that also might be why this ending is so it feels like very drawn out and and kind of like like i said the the blocking is kind of wonky and then like you said there's reused shots of like yeah the the cart the mine cart is now back at the top and everything yeah not not the like I like where it goes eventually, but I don't like all this in the middle. I like when yeah. it when the confrontation eventually happens is what I like. Yeah. Should have been eighty five minutes. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think you're wrong in that in that regard. So he turns on the flamethrower. Todd spins around, but like there's this huge drawn out walk thing, and Todd can't see where Cropsy is because he's walking behind a broken wall. But he's got a flamethrower, so you'd just be like, he's right there, just fucking hack right there. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, but as Cropsy's kind of coming closer, they sort of use the flame to give us a flashback to the opening scene. Kind of cuts back and forth, back and forth. But in that flashback, now we find out that one of those kids was Todd. Uh, Who Todd, looks nothing like him. And only five years prior. <laughs> like, like Todd looks like a fucking 30-year-old man, and the kid they get to play young Todd looks like appropriately like 16, you know? Yes. But I do like the fact that, you know, Todd is one of the kids that were that were there, you know? Oh, me too. Me too. As Cropsey gets closer, he turns the flamethrower off and kind of disappears into the darkness. And this is what I wrote. Is he dark man? <laughs> <laughs> and like somehow Todd loses him, you know, he doesn't see him or doesn't see where he went and he kind of turns back around and he kind of hears like an Alfred sort of muffle mumbling or something. Uh, so he kind of goes back to searching through the darkness. Um, but Cropsey gets the jump on him with the flamethrower. Todd swings his ax and Cropsey starts dodging it outside. Jeff and Michelle are in their boat yelling for Todd. Eh, eh, Todd, Todd. <laughs> Inside, Todd and Cropsey are still battling with the axe and the flamethrower. 
while Alfred sort of watches stuck against the wall. Todd falls back onto the ground and Cropsey has him dead to rights, but Alfred frees himself and stabs Cropsey in the back with his own gardening shears. And it's actually That's like, awesome. it's, it's really fucking brutal because it's, it's at like the base of the back of the base of uh, uh, Cropsey's neck. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I agree. It is really fucking cool. Cropsey streams and drops the flamethrower and falls over, quote unquote, dead. Outside, we see the police helicopter land by Michelle and Jeff. Cut back inside, Alfred helps Todd to his feet, and they start walking out the building. Before they make it out, Cropsey pops up behind him and grabs Alfred. Alfred breaks free, and Todd swings his axe, sinking it into Cropsey's fucking face, burying it to the hilt, and, like, sticking Cropsey against a, a, a wooden pillar through the axe, through his head. There is... No coming back from this, and it gets worse, too. Because just then, Alfred picks up the flamethrower and lights Cropsey on fire. Thankfully, I think at this point, like, Cropsey's dead when he's on fire now. Yeah. Uh, they walk away with Cropsey's body still standing there, stuck to the beam via the axe in his forehead. And you also see the gardening shears behind him. And when I first watched this, man, I was like, no, Cropsey! And I was like, this is awesome, man. Like, there's... There's no coming back from this. And like we said before, I like how this is like a one and done film. And it's I think that's really, really fucking cool. Uh, As they're walking out, it kind of fades away. Cut to nighttime. It's a new counselor and kids are sitting around a campfire and he's telling them the same scary story Todd told earlier. And he says, right now he's out there watching, waiting. So don't look, he'll see you. Don't breathe, he'll hear you. Don't move. You're dead. And that's it. That's 1981's The Burning. And that last scene of him, that guy saying, you're dead, is so intense. It's yeah, really creepy. It is. He makes a really creepy face. He does. And every time I look at it, I'm like, why are you so creepy, guy? <laughs> it's a, such that a creepy face. That guy's played by Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> that guy was way too good looking to be Harvey Weinstein. No, that guy was a hunky boy. But that was that was the burning. Um, this is now, I guess, essentially my my third time watching this movie. I think it's a bun- I think it's a ton of fun. I think it's problematic here and there, especially if you know like the, the behind the scenes stuff. But other than that, the sleaze is sleaze. It's if you like your sleaze, then it definitely has it. But as far as like a a slasher goes, it's a really cool movie. It's so different than anything else out there. Um, Cropsey feels more human than most most other slasher villains, you know. And uh, yeah, he fucking he dies. Like he he comes back up once, obviously, but that's it. Once that axe goes in his head, he, he, I don't think he saw that coming. He's like, oh, and he's dead. And it's a good fucking head too. Like it's yeah. bloody and shit. So yeah, yeah, there's no coming back from what happened to him. No, no, not at all, not at all. So yeah, I would I would definitely recommend this movie to uh, to anybody out there who hasn't seen it. But uh, now that we've broken it down and everything, what are your uh, final thoughts on this one? Yeah, I concur with everything you said. It's. Uh I saw it as a the double the the second movie of a triple feature of all camp slasher movies. It's great. It's so much. It's it's unique. Uh, it's not cliche. You know, there's not eight of them or twelve of them or whatever the hell uh, Jason did. And it, it, it's just, it's just a one off. It's like an original. Wow, an original story at a camp. Yeah. That's cool. I love it. And um, there was another one called uh, Madman. 
with Madman Mars. Oh yeah. Um, that one's okay. I don't. It's definitely not as good as the Burning. Uh, I think it's a little m- more drawn out. This this follows the same trope as like Texas Chainsaw Massacre or similar movies of its time, where it t- takes almost an hour to get into the major killing going on in the movie. But but when it does, then you, then it hits hard and hits often. And uh, but it where other movies like that might have failed, and this one excels. It's got a stellar cast of really talented actors that, that keep the dialogue believable and fresh. And it doesn't feel like a rip, you know, like crappy, uh, actors they found off the street or whatever. It's, it's good. I, I, I'm, I would happily watch this movie over and over and over again. Yeah. Repeatedly. Yeah. This for is all def- the good, for all the things that we loved about it. No, this is definitely going to be a regular in, in my rotation because I do love summer camp slasher films. I grew up yeah, on Friday the 13th, you know. But, yeah, dude, the real star of this movie is the cast. I mean, who yeah. the hell thought that they would get so many, like, A-listers at, at, in their very first film like that, you know? The, who, the real star of this movie is the casting director, <laughs> to be honest with yeah. you. So, and, yep. and Tom Savini. And, uh, you know, and, and thankfully he, he didn't do Friday 13th Part 2. Although I do love Friday 13th Part 2, but I'm glad he did this. Because I think without Tom Savini, uh, even with everything else exactly the same, without Tom Savini having a lesser, you know, person doing the special effects, I don't think this would have stood the test of time. I think, you know, Tom Savini has a lot to do with that. And, uh, and and rightfully so because he well, he is one of a kind. There will never be another Tom Savini, you know. And he was, and back in the day, man, he was making all this shit up as he was going. Like that's so fucking impressive, you know. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. And and you know, you you mentioned the casting director should get a shout. I just want to point out that the casting director was also the casting director for Ghostbusters, <laughs> Cobra. And Black Rain. Holy shit. Wow. And Demolition Man, but, you know, whatever. That's... Oh, I love Demolition Man. Do you? Yeah. Do you? <laughs> and oh, Brain Scan, which is a, fan, which is a, a David Irons pick. Oh, my. I can, brain scan. I can see the cover of Brain Scan in my head, and I can see the cover of Madman in my head as well. Oh, he also did Lock Up, Rambo 3. Um, wow. A uh, lot, a lot, a lot of good, a lot of really good. Once upon a time in in America, uh, wow, a great casting director. Wow. Jesus. Well, there, there you go. That what more do you need to say than uh, than that cast is fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I it actually reminds me of. Um, I can't talk about it yet, but I will talk about it down the road. Oh, so oh, is it the movie that we're going to be doing as a as a crossover? Yep. Oh my. Well, yes. Yeah. So, guys and gals, I'm going to plug $2 Lafey as we always do, but I'm going to say that we have a crossover episode coming up soon. Uh, probably, I think September is what we're probably looking towards, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because uh, you've got. We're, we have uh, Actually, really, really soon. Yeah. Well, the free. Yeah, yeah. So, be on the lookout for that. But, $2 Lafey, what's that you say? Well, you should know what $2 Lafey is by now because we've been talking about it for two plus years, three years going on now. But Zach, for the ladies and gentlemen out there that don't know what $2 Lafey is, please tell us what you and Dustin do over there. Oh, it's a it's a deep dive into 80s nostalgia. Uh, we take a movie 
and and a song from that movie that and, and and the year it came out and talk about the pop culture moments from that year and then we follow it up with an interview with someone connected to the film so for example the last movie we just did the our most current episode is uh, the 1986 1986 film rad and the follow-up episode to that will be an interview with the star of rad bill allen crew jones so uh check us out if you haven't already and if you have and you are now a patreon subscriber because we are on patreon if you are a patreon subscriber uh robert ortiz who is a good friend of ours on pad is also a patreon subscriber of two dollar late fee so a lot of fun content uh check us out give us a shout no doubt no doubt <laughs> <Cub Scout. laughs> I knew you were going to go with that one. Let's try it. Yeah, I got to try it. I got to try it. Guys and gals, Zach, tomorrow is his last day of camp. <laughs> I, I, he, he looks like death on the other side of the screen, but I appreciate you being here, buddy, uh, uh, tonight for this. I know it's been a long, long four weeks of, uh, of camp counseling. Well, I was going to say, say Corey, uh, but when, when, when we're recording this, Corey went on his vac- a much-deserved vacation. And he's like, oh, we're at, we're on vacation, guys. And I'm like, I'm not on vacation. <laughs> I'm not on vacation. <laughs> Pulling like 15 hour, not no joke, 15 hour days. I, so. I know. <laughs> uh, but no, I, but but I'm happy to do this, and I'm happy. Of course, I would never. You know me. I never. I never uh, squelch or crash on on a no. on a date. No. I'm you, always there for you. No. And ditto. You 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 always 100% guys and gals. Zach never cancels uh no matter what although <laughs> the only time he pushed it was for yesterday we were going to record yesterday but it, it was your anniversary your wedding it's my wedding anniversary and exactly. i'm like probably should do it the day after zach texted me like three days prior he's like can we pull up into thursday it's my wedding anniversary i'm like well of course i mean i'm not gonna say no but at the same time bro <laughs> don't forget your wedding anniversary man no i didn't forget i just i was more just like Oh man, the, this this month is gonna have a bunch of redacted dates on it where it's all blacked out. It's like the Vietnam War. You're it Agent is. Orange. It literally is. No, no, it's not. No, no. Summer no, no, camp. No. Summer camps do people who run summer camps, uh, a la the burning, do not get the credit that they deserve because it's a it's hard work. It's well, very hard work. I'm just glad that your voice doesn't sound like Jeff's. So, hey guys, uh, two dollar hey. late fee. Uh, come check out two dollar no. late fee over here. That, you know that guy doesn't do. He doesn't get excited. He just sits back and watches everything unfold. Because if he did, he'd have a much deeper voice. <laughs> this is like true. Mine, because I've been yelling all. I've been yelling all week. I know. Way. I know. I, and, and I remember on the vamp episode, you had a very sexy voice for that one. Dude, I, my voice blew out that week. So. <laughs> just like fisher stevens balls just like fisher stevens balls but you know whose balls we didn't see in this was uh was uh, jason alexander's however jason alexander is i don't think we saw his balls in seinfeld either but Corey would know because he is the host of cartwright a seinfeld podcast right? it's like get there buddy i know what you're trying that. to do I know what you're trying to do, and I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Car I stole this car. <laughs> honk, honk. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, check out Cartwright and Seinfeld podcast. We're a hundred plus episodes at this point. We're fucking talking about Seinfeld with our pal Adam. We're always having a good time. Check it out. Yada yada yada. You know how it goes. If you guys like Seinfeld, you, you should probably be listening to that. If you like us, mm-hmm. you listen to all our stuff. Yeah, listen to Two Dollar Leafy. Go listen to Action Action. Go listen to Talking Back. Go listen to yeah. Blast from Our Past podcast. Throwback trivia take takedown. All that kind of stuff. The BFOP network. We got a bunch yep. of good shit. We have a lot of fun stuff. And like I said. We're going to have a $2 fee crossover coming up soon, so be on the lookout for oh, that. it's going to be so good. I can't wait. I, I can't fucking wait because I know what movie it is, and uh, we haven't officially announced it, but I know what it is. It's something I've been wanting to watch with Zach for a long time, um, knowing how much Zach loves that movie, uh, and I had never seen it. And at that point, I was like, I'm not going to watch it until I watch it with Zach. There are a handful of films that, like, I know that like I need to watch it, but like I'm not. I want to wait to watch it with somebody or watch it with the for the podcast, you know. So it's gonna be a good one. I know what it is, just, and it looks awesome. And I just realized too that I I can reveal to you that I'm not gonna drop name drop the guy, but 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 the movie that Corey and I are going uh, the the movie that Corey is going to join Dustin and I on for two dollar late fee, and then I will break down on podcasting after dark. We have an interview with one of the actors from that movie who went on to become a very successful casting director. Oh. Uh, it, and so, which is really cool, actually. I didn't, casting, you know, casting directors have a really hard job, and but a cool job. And it's clearly the guy who did the, the burning uh, did as well. Yeah. And, and when they do a good job, you can really see it, you know. So yep. I'm excited. I can't wait. Me and uh, as always... We'll catch you on the dark side. Join the Podcasting After Dark Patreon community to unlock exclusive monthly content like cast interviews and a fan feedback show. Plus, you get every regular episode of Podcasting After Dark completely ad-free. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us five stars on Apple Podcasts and by recommending us to your friends. Finally, make sure you follow us on Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook for news and updates about future episodes. Just search for Podcasting After Dark.